I can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work. Determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to Hiya, the only podcast that thinks if you hit it more than three times, you're just playing with it. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to episode eight, recorded May 6, 2012. We're starting now. Finally. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We've had a little what, bit of a rough getting woo, started man, time. I'll tell you what. One of these days, I'd like to make sure that we have one of these where we don't go, yeah, well, so technical difficulties aside, we're finally recording a podcast. <laughs> Uh, and today was supposed to be our easy breezy, yeah, you know, no cover girl. That's so you know, but, that's yeah. what we get for fucking saying exactly it, is what it comes yeah. down exactly. to. Oh, even just thinking it'll make it happen. <laughs> well, let me tell you what we've got coming up for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to have a discussion about uh, what qualities make for a good student. We're going to do a flip of the coin interview to get to know one of your hosts better. We got a new segment and a quick dip into the mailbag. Yay. And a little bit of taking stock as we go along. You know, it's, it's good to be able to finally say a little bit of a dip into the mailbag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't dip too deep because we'll crack our skulls. No diving into the mailbag yet. So uh, just out of curiosity, is that new segment the same thing as dipping into the mailbag? Uh, do what now? Is that what we're referring to as the new segment? Is the dipping into the mailbag? Or is there a segment that I missed on the show? No, no I mean, mailbag. We've uh, been talking yeah. about doing a mailbag at some oh, point. So. I'm just, you mentioned. And now we can do it, and therefore yeah. it's new. That is because they've the never new heard segment, it before. is what I'm saying. <laughs> the mailbag is the new segment. Just yeah, to you know, if, if you're confused, I can only imagine how the audience feels right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, uh, let me just remind everybody who we've got here. My name's Dave Jones. Hi, got, Dave. Got Craig Keesling co-hosting over to the side. Hi, yes, he is. Magnificent Jay behind the boards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <That> indeed. <laughs> Finally. Making the magic happen for yeah. us all. Now, we know a lot of people listen to this show primarily for the fantastic interviews we get, not for any of our nonsense. So, uh, if you're disappointed about that, we've got some great interviews coming up, and uh, the main reason we don't have one live for this show is because we're interviewing someone who's on Taiwan time, and <laughs> between our wacky schedules and his wacky time zone, we just weren't able to pull it off to do a normal live interview with everyone here, but that should show up in the next show or two. We're going to record it off session and, uh, and drop it into a show coming soon. You know, coming to think of that, if, uh, if you change the tones on the words for Taiwan... It can easily mean too late. Hey, there yeah. you go. Yeah. 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 Well, it's so too late for this one. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, we realized uh, when we started out, we gave little nutshell synopses of who your hosts were and uh, not much detail at all. So our backup plan all along has been when we hit a spot where, for one reason or another, we can't get a guest on, then we'll just flip a coin to see which one of us gets a little bit more in-depth treatment uh, in front of the microphones. And here we are with that today, and neither of us knows who's going to be interviewed. So this should be a blast. So this should be interesting. Yep. Hopefully everybody prepared. Ma- ma- <laughs> Magnificent Jay has the nickel in his hot, sweaty hand that we're going to flip here a little bit later, but we'll get to that when it comes around. Um, yeah, so uh, we also want to apologize for, uh, for leaving the feed dry. We don't want to get dry socket on that feed. Uh, <laughs> it was a, a, just a, a cluster of catastrophes, folks. Yes, right back to back there. Yep. Uh, so uh, 
We won't get into too much detail about what actually happened. Just suffice to say that we are trying to make sure that we don't leave you hanging like that in the future. And, you know, that brings us to another little point I wanted to talk about, which is uh, uh, that, you know, we're a fairly new podcast, so uh, I hope you're bearing with us. As we work all this stuff out. <laughs> As we figure out what the hell we're doing. Exactly. Yeah, we ain't no pros yet. <laughs> but you guys keep listening, and uh, eventually we will be there. So Yeah, and we, uh, we have a lot of new ideas coming your way in the future, including some uh, maybe shorter segment things we can do so that uh, even if two weeks is too long for you to wait for your dose of high ya you can get a little uh, extra something-something in the middle there. And I know for a fact there's a few people that it is too long. I've had some continual, uh, when's the next one coming out, dude? I don't, you know, I'm a big podcast listener. The whole reason I started this podcast, or had the idea for us to start this podcast, was because I listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, it drives me batshit crazy when I expect my podcast to be there, let's say, and I've had some other ones that are doing it to me. I, I think everybody in podcast land has been having some issues <laughs> yep. this last couple of weeks because podcasts I rely on week in and week out to entertain me on my, you know, after I get off work at three o'clock in the morning and don't have anyone to talk to or whatever, <laughs> just haven't been dropping. And it, it, it makes me crazy. So, uh, listeners, if we irritated you, we're sorry. We're sorry, and we know how it feels. Lo siento. So, <clears throat> yes, so we'll try not to do that in the future. Um, and we also kind of want to look back at what we've done here. And this is not so much for us to, to crow about what we've done. Uh, although we could, if you'd like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've been pretty outstanding, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> I mean, come on, let's admit it. Yeah. Jay was magnificent when he got here, but the rest of us had to rise. Now <laughs> <laughs> we've uh, got a degree in this stuff. We're just, uh, along for the ride yeah, for the most yeah, part. You know. We're throwing this out there because, uh, you know, we're starting to get some good listener input, but we really want more because you can help shape the way the show goes. No, hey, do you know what? To be fair, the capture, the capture I had training in, the, the, the putting together of a podcast, I knew shit all about that when we started. So, <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah. You're getting your credits every episode, and you're getting your degree as you go along. No worries. I just saw a pterodactyl fly across the table. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was Dave looking at levels. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we're recording through a uh, slightly different method today because plan A failed, and then plan B subsequently failed. Subsequently failed. So just almost by chance, I happened to have plan C with me. Uh, so we're all we talking no plan B. into a little red eight-track recorder box right now. Um, <laughs> but trust me, uh, Jay will fancy it up on the back end. Uh, you know, I'll do my It'll best anyway. Make us all sound glorious when it's said and done. And that's that. And this is how number eight's going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and in Chinese, uh, bit eight is lucky, right? So I think this is going to turn out pretty. No, it was lucky. Exactly. Lucky you had that damn thing in your damn bag. Yeah, the old MR eight. It's a bog one. MR eight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And guess what time we started, folks? Eight, eight, eight. p.m. Yeah. on the dot. Yeah. 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 So um, crazy eights up in here. Lucky, yeah. lucky, lucky. So let's just put. A, I mean, I, I think one thing we can say for sure that. I don't think anybody wants us to tinker with, and we don't want to tinker with, is we love doing these long-format interviews. That's really been a treat, and we've got a lot more lined up and coming. As long as we can keep getting those in, we're going to do it. Uh, some really interesting people, some really crazy people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and, and that's what we're all about, because uh, as I was saying earlier, you know, I, I thought about starting this podcast because I like listening to podcasts, and at the time, I was, you know, 
popping around to different martial arts podcasts and, and thinking, wow, these are kind of dry. Now, in the interim, I must say that I have found a couple that I like, but I try not to listen to them so they don't, <laughs> so we don't start sounding like them. But uh, at the time, I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. And uh, <clears throat> the main thing I wanted to hear was martial artists talking the way that we talk to each other over a beer or, you know, when we're mm-hmm. hanging out after practice. And there wasn't a whole lot of that out no, there. No, no, yeah. Pretty much the only game in town, as far as that goes, is like Karate Cafe, I think. Or, or yeah. You know, from a, from a tone perspective, anyway. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, yeah. There's a couple... I'll mention another one. Martial Secrets. That's oh, a pretty good podcast. Yeah. 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 But at the time, you know, when you dive into the, into the vast pool of podcasts on iTunes and just start kind of randomly listening to bits of stuff... Most of them it are could, from like 2005 and no more new episodes. Yeah, or that's the other thing. The is like they might are, get seven or, or, or so episodes deep and the that's Alabama it. The Alabama boys yeah. are talking karate and that's it. And they talk about their own school the, Yeah, they're always either too, too style-specific and too sort of self-promoting or you would get people that would get interviews, decent interviews with decent people, but just couldn't bring themselves to get past the oh master please tell me another story. oh my god dude i listened to one <laughs> dude i listened to one to be honest and i'm, I'm not going to say the name of it because you know i'll piss people off but hey that's what we do um <clears throat> but it's about qigong and this guy gets outstanding interview people on the content is great usually the guy sounds uh, uh too much like a you sycophant? Know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what that means, do you? <laughs> I don't, but I get the picture. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm anti as 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 uh Mag J said earlier, lexic whatever. That's another big word. I'm not about the big words. Lexicological. I think big, but I don't speak challenged. <laughs> All right, moving oh, along man. here. But yeah, and then there's it, you 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 find that or or there's a Blue Million uh uh MMA podcast that sound like poorly produced ESPN radio segments that are just so cheesy and yeah. Uh. <laughs> but the point here is not to spend too much time slagging other podcasts. We just wanted to hear the kind of thing that we wanted to hear and we're glad some of you like to listen to that too. Um now everything else on this show is up for grabs though. We've uh you know the news segment that's settled in. That's that's going to be there consistently. Uh, you won't be hearing any Judy Chops tonight because we're thinking about doing something a little different with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not a part of the regular podcast. Those were fun while they lasted. while they lasted, and they were, <laughs> but they, they, they were, were st- also doorways into trouble. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not only doorways into, into trouble, but uh, it, it just listening back, I, I started feeling like they kind of broke the flow of the podcast up if we were doing three or four Judy Chops every yeah. show. So, you know. Uh, that that little uh, sound bitey kind of thing is not gone, but you'll see it again in some other format. I think we'll be coming up with other ways to trick and surprise yeah. you, though. Uh, we're not dropping the media mop up. I just didn't have any damn time to watch anything. <laughs> Life <laughs> has been crazy slacker, for all know. of us. Uh, I believe. Uh, Sorry, we, we all need to make a field trip out to see the Avengers anyway. You know. Oh. The Avengers. What is yeah. that? The Avengers, which just dropped earlier. This. Oh, that 1960s this. TV show from Britain. Yeah, with Emma Peel. That's and, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I thought you that's were talking lot. about that. Very cool. so hot. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, that's what we're all going to try to go see. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> I got I to gotta give kudos. I did this on Facebook, but uh, to whoever is in the marketing team for the Avengers, mad genius. Okay, like 
for eight to twelve months before the movie has been released. They got that video game on Facebook, dude. And I'm kicking ass at it. Really, I love it. But I'm not. I'm also. Okay. I haven't gone to see the movie. My point being is, everybody that plays that damn game, boom, you know they're going to go buy a ticket for that damn show. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty smart. That's pretty and smart. everybody that reads the comics and mm-hmm. everybody that's seen any of the forty-seven other movies that are that have been that, leading that, up that to are this, leading up to it. Yeah. I appreciate you dropping this early on though in the episode because. This was actually a news item of mine, but that's all right. We'll ahead. get to it again. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. We'll we'll get to it. we'll squeeze the actual news out of it later. All right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, just putting it out there, folks. Uh, please give us your input. Now we're starting to settle into this. Uh, we're 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 getting to be such good podcasters that we not only have a plan A and B, we have a plan C. Just to make sure <laughs> all the crazy stuff that's happened, we have not missed a recording day. Uh, even if it takes a little longer to reach your ears, we are staying on schedule. We're on the tracks, folks. So. Uh, you know, uh, all I can say is give us more of your feedback and let your voice be heard so that we can make this the kind of thing that you're going to look forward to listening to every week. Exactly. And, and of course, you can give that feedback at uh, highoppodcast.com. You are um, correct, sir. You can, <laughs> where, where you can find our, you can like us on Facebook from there, or you can mm-hmm. plus one us on Google or, you could do that. or any, any number of other things, as well as uh, you can Coming check out. Coming to my house and scratching you can, my back. You can, you can check out our Facebook page, which is. Facebook.com slash high up podcast, which is, is. Yeah. which is great. You know, like us there, which would be awesome. And of mm-hmm. course, you, you can send any, uh, any comments or questions or, you know, F U or whatever, F-U. love mail, hate mail, whatever, to that's mailbag, right. that's M-A-I-L bag, at hiyapodcast.com, <laughs> H-I-Y-A-A podcast. And do that. If you're lucky, you might even get read over the show. I think one lucky listener might, uh, might get to hear his own comments today. Yeah, we're, we're starting the mailbag segment later. All right. Woo. Well, we're going we're gonna to wrap up the introduction and get on into talking some martial arts, which is why we're all here in the first place. Hiya. And, uh, you know, just one last thing I wanted to say about this. I'm so glad that we live in this modern age where, A, we can podcast, and, B, we have virtual mail addresses now. Yeah, because if we had to put one of our home addresses on there, no, thank you. I mean, I, 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 I'm sure after the last couple of episodes, we'd be getting turds and jars <laughs> mail every other day. Uh, you're <laughs> ninja just crawling the side of the house and everything. All That's of it, right? Just a little ninja star in the mailbox. You know what's coming. All right, folks. Well, let me wind up the hurdy gurdy, and the discussion topic is up next. Okay, we're back. Uh, discussion topic tonight is what makes a good student? Well, I, th- this ought to be a big list because I, do we have any? I mean, do they exist? <laughs> oh, well, I'm just teasing. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we were all good students at one point in time, most of the time. <laughs> well, some of the time at yeah. least. I can think of very specific instances where probably myself and yourself have been not the best of students. Well, you know, not me. I was always a good boy. Shit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But uh, and 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 don't take it personally if you're a student. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we know you. Either of listening. ours or just in general. Uh, this is this is just an excuse for us to spitball. We were all students at one time, and guess what? We still, we still are, are. St- <laughs> students. Yeah. Just because you can teach something doesn't mean you know it all. And uh, we'll get around to what makes a good teacher in another discussion. I was just time. thinking about that. Yeah. yeah, we might even let one or two of our students come on and have <laughs> <Yeah>. us. <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a panel discussion. Maybe. The messed up you know? thing is that we've both been teachers of each other and students of each other, also. <laughs> yeah, it's an incestuous little family we have here. Um, okay, so maybe I thought a good way to start this discussion topic off would be to, before we get to the good parts, let's go ahead and list some things that just make for problems with a student all right uh things like egotism you think that makes a problem i disagree oh yeah (laughs) do you (laughs) you want to come over here and disagree about it (laughs) what what was that that was it uh that fire god what's his name I don't know. We, maybe we shouldn't say it on the air. What? Oh, oh, our, our interview, Aaron Fields. Yeah, remember he said he had that experience, and he said, oh, really? You want to come over here and show me, sweetheart? Yeah. When I heard that line, yeah, oh, my gosh, he, he floored me. Yeah, well, you know, there's a difference between just raw egotism and uh, actually knowing what the hell you're talking about. Exactly. Though. As James Brown used to say, it ain't bragging if you can do it. That's, That's true. right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're egotistical enough or to... Or at least know where the exits are. Yeah, to invite your instructor over and, and, and call him sweetheart to show something to you, then, you know, you better be able to back it up. You put yourself in that position. Mm-hmm. He sounded like he still had all his teeth, so I don't think he had any problem with it. Um, <laughs> no, I just meant from a funny point of view. He had he, he had some of the greatest one-liners I've heard in oh, a while. Yeah. Well, when, I, when I'm saying egotism in this context, more of what I'm talking about is just coming in thinking you already know it all. Then why are you coming in? That's the question right there, and that gets at something else. Um, mm-hmm. If you're coming in and you think you already know it all, then why are you there? I mean, is it? And that's not a rhetorical question either. Right. <laughs> no, seriously, it, tell me, why are you why here? Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> There's another reason that you're coming, and it ain't to learn. Right. It could be to poach students. Uh-huh. It could be uh, just to come in and screw up what the teacher's doing, or to climb that hierarchy, and you have some plan for the relationship you're trying to build with that teacher. We've seen this stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're just a douchebag who likes to feel better than other people. You know? No, that's I'm entirely... Sure that, I'm sure that's... that's, that's Happened on occasion. Oh, That's yeah. why they're not in the part of the good students, because they don't last. <laughs> yeah. You either get your ass whipped or, or, and handed to you or shown your walking papers or both. I yeah. Mean. Well, this is uh, – well, I'll throw in an anecdote, and we won't mention names, but uh, one of my teachers, uh, a great guy, but sometimes a little bit tone deaf to, to the people that came into <laughs> his classes. God, I already know where this is going. <laughs> and he had a fellow show up, and he was, you know, he was really excited to get this guy in class, and um, – you know, he was already doing MMA and some other stuff and everything, and I knew it was trouble when he walked in, and he was uh, yes sir and no sir in all of us, and we were very <laughs> casual, and he was you know throwing the, the salutes left and right, but... But it was not with respect either, though. No. <laughs> then when the teacher would be demonstrating something, he would say, oh yeah, well we do this, and he would turn around and pick a random student and just start throwing punches and kicks a quarter of an inch from their nose, which mm-hmm. we kind of frowned on too. In any event, this went on for a little while, and I finally took took this instructor aside and i said hey listen uh, i don't know if you've noticed or not but this is going on and uh there's going to be blood in the parking lot where we practice if this keeps up (laughs) (laughs) 
And luckily, at that point, he was like, oh, really? And he, 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 t- he took it seriously. But, uh, you know, and, and this ties into another kind of student. Maybe not pure egotism, but uh, a student that will come in. And I hated this when I was a student. I would be sent off to practice a, a drill or something, you know, do a two-man thing with somebody. And no sooner had you started practicing, then they want to show you how the other style they train does it. Or mm-hmm. how their other system... We do it this way. It's like, yeah, well, if I wanted to train that, I'd go to that school. Right. I want to practice this. I'm here for a finite period of time, and you're showing off mm-hmm. this other stuff, you know, which you know may or may not impress me anyway. You're going to pay the teacher money so you can show off what you know? Go open your own school. <laughs> yeah. You know, do whatever. But that is not what the majority of people are here for. You know, it's annoying as hell. It ticks the teacher off. You're, you're going to end up pissing them off so that you're either going to get thrown out, one, or two, not get shown what you came to learn. Right. And I'll tell you, especially with, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is as much the case in some other st- arts, but if you've got an, uh, an older school traditional uh, Chinese martial arts teacher and you come in strutting around like you know something, you will get zero mm-hmm. from that guy. You will get nothing from him. If you uh, well, come in you and might make, get something, but it's a joke. Yeah, and it, there's a it, oh, he'll keep you busy. <laughs> yeah, but you, <laughs> uh-huh. um, you really have to come in and, and let let it be known that you are there to learn and you're willing to empty your cup, no matter what else has been in it, to try that out. And hey, if you're not that interested in doing that thing, you should go to a different class, exactly. just out of respect for the people that are teaching the one that you're disrupting. Well, and and here's another aspect is not just maybe style of experience that you had previously, but if you have a, a preference, know that, you know, do your research before you go to school. Let's say you're really big into a ground game grappling. What the hell are you doing going to a white crane school? Right. <laughs> now, mean, if you're seriously. big into your ground game grappling and you want to challenge yourself in other ranges and you really want to learn something, then, then good. Go to the White Crane School and try that out. But you but need to be you a need good to be a, guy. You need to be a good guy about it. And you need to be honest up front with your teacher, too. It's mm-hmm. like, this is what I do. I just want to challenge myself with this. And, and, and that that's extremely respectful. To go in and say, yeah, well, what if you get taken to the ground every yeah. five minutes? Right. You're a moron, <laughs> exactly. a dickhead, go home. <laughs> You know, nobody needs that shit. That sounds like experience. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's one of the most dreaded questions from a student is, well, what if he does this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, as a teacher, I try to always explain, look, there's no movement that doesn't have a counter. Yeah. There's always a, you, a so counter you, to a counter to a counter. To a counter to a counter, yeah. to a counter. yeah. You, you have to be able to change, but you know, the, also if something works, it's going to be a thing. Yeah. So <laughs> take those things and you practice them, and if it's a little different, you do something a little different. You know? it's, it, and You're trying I, to learn principles anyway, not bingo. X-blocks for the knife attack. Uh, you, know, uh, <laughs> you know, so many of our interviews have gone this way where the, the people we're interviewing, regardless of frickin' style, it always comes back to this. I mean, we're talking to people who are grappling artists, to strikers, to Chinese, to Japanese, it makes no damn difference. They always, always agree if they're a legit practitioner, it comes down to principles. It doesn't matter, you know, do X when this happens, that's a joke. Right. <laughs> You're never going to be able to do X when it, Y happens. You always have to simply react to the principle, identify it, react. 
Right. What if he does this? Well, what if he grows a third fucking arm out of his forehead? I yeah. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> what if he can fly? <laughs> well, you're going to need a shotgun that. and some birdshot then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just focus on the drill. The teacher is teaching for a reason. They're most likely giving you, you know, this drill for us, not the actual movement, but the principle behind it. Right. You know, you can't come up with what if he does this all the time. And, That's stupid. Yeah. But now, don't get us wrong. We're not saying you have to go in and blindly accept anything somebody who calls oh, no, himself no. a teacher throws at you, too. You don't. But there, there are proper ways and improper ways to question and explore those issues. Exactly. Um, exactly. <clears throat> let's see. Something else here. Uh, and here, if you do question, though, yeah. be prepared to accept the answer. Most likely, the teacher might be slightly annoyed, but also appreciating the fact that you're investigating and, and being inquisitive. So you're probably going to get a little bit of a bitch slap, so to speak. But right. that's what comes with the territory. Well, that's the thing. If I think someone's sincere and they ask me that question, yeah, I exactly. say, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. And then you show them what if. Um, what know? if somebody does this? I was like, well, why don't you try it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, you have to Come on it. over and give it a shot, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> and what's that called? The callback. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's move it along. Uh, All right. Uh, another thing that can be disappointing in a student is someone that comes in just too freighted with delusions. Delusions about... Specify? Uh, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, like people who have watched way too many kung fu movies. Oh, okay, okay. And okay. come in and expect you know the master to be just so like Chun. There's another yeah. callback for you and Remo Williams. Uh-huh. Uh, or, you know, they come in expecting something specific and maybe mystical or, you know, um, not. When are you, you going to teach me the five point palm exploding heart technique? Exactly. <laughs> they come in. I just did. <laughs> they come in expecting that you can push some magic button in their brain or give them some sort of magic transmission so they won't have to work and sweat and bust their balls like everybody else does. Or if you're a lady, I don't know, you bust whatever, uh, <laughs> to, to learn this material and be able to use it to, I know. to get good at a skill. I know Another, kung fu. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Plug it into the back of their head, and they go running out the door in 15 minutes knowing kung fu. Speaking of callback. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Another aspect that, that I see all the time, um, or I used to when I used to carry myself differently the way I taught, you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Now I'm a little, well, a lot more lighthearted in my classes and stuff. But uh, one of the things that I think any teacher, more specifically of a traditional art, probably runs into a lot um, is where the teacher becomes daddy, uh, psychologist, therapist, um, cry-on-my-shoulder guy, uh, you know, uh, job recruiter. I mean, becomes everything better (laughs) than what you are in your life. I'm not that. Yeah. yeah, no, just, just because someone has a skill, a martial art that they can, you know, hopefully teach to you does not mean that they can be your life coach, mm-hmm. nor that, that they want to be. Exactly. There's a whole field, in fact, that called life coaching. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we won't get into yeah. that. Yeah. Life coach, really? <laughs> Come on. But I, I know people That's that people do see it, an so, opportunity yeah. and yeah. taking advantage of it. Kudos yeah, to them. So uh, we'll... Uh, we're not qualified to speak on that. We'll, we'll have Ellis Amder back on and ask him about oh, life gosh. coaching. Here we go. <laughs> Call back. Uh, wow. Well, you know, that this is episode eight. We're just kind of running yeah, in an infinite yeah, it is. circle it is. loop here. Um, you went so philosophy there. So there Number eight, it is our yeah. Mobius crest. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
It's only got one side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so delusions, those can stand in your way. You know, if you expect it to come easy or if you, if you have too much of a fantasy about, you know, what it is that you're signing up for. And students, watch out. If you walk in with those kind of blinders on, there are teachers out there who would totally take advantage oh, of that. Oh, there are businesses. That's, that's one of my Excuse news me. items later, too, is that there are businesses founded oh, yeah. on your naivete. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's where the fraudsters come in. I mean, entire styles that are complete and utter bullshit are created. Take your money, your hopes, your dreams. And yep. And they do all it all that. on based on presentation and pandering to yep. to the delusions that people hold when it's they go basic looking scam, for this sort of thing. Shuckster that's been happening since you know. I mean, since time the world was yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> but let me let me toss this out too. There's another aspect of the of the delusions, if you would, is the flip side coin of it. <clears throat> Which is, for example, when we talk about delusions, especially in the, in the traditional arts, you know, you, you get caught up with the whole chi thing. Oh, you mean you're going to shoot fireballs out of your palms and all this kind of stuff. Okay, that's, you know, that's a joke, and it's off of stuff you see in the cartoons or the movies or, or the New Age people that are talking about internal What are you talking about? I tiptoed up a bamboo stalk in your backyard just <laughs> exactly. 20 minutes ago. <laughs> However, and this is something hopefully my students are listening because I encounter them, you know, sorry to do out call out here, but uh, on a regular basis. When I'm trying to talk to them about very legitimate skills that do, you know, bring up a heightened level of skillability, you know, then there's constantly, oh, you mean like so you could do this? And, and, and there's that joke, you know, about the flip side, bringing it right back about making a joke of something. Now, that's funny as hell, but I don't have time for that kind of joke repetitively in class because, no, I'm talking about something very practical, very real, and you're missing the damn point when you're consistently talking about a joke about it, you know. And that gets annoying yeah. as hell. So you have, you have that aspect, too. Yeah, there it can be hard when you're a teacher and somebody has these delusions, but they're there because of them. Exactly. To wipe the scales from their eyes could mean that they go, oh, all right. Well, well, I'm looking as, for that. that. This isn't what I want. This isn't as cool away. as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, if you're an honest teacher, then you've got to get out there. I mean, I, I tell think them what we, you're selling and what you're not. We've seen, we've seen people like when we're holding class and they want to come to the class, but instead they're hiding behind the tree. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet you go there. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's make this a little less specific. Um, one more thing I wanted to point out that can be a problem with students. Uh, just pure good old fashioned American grade A laziness. That's me. Yeah, that's this hey! guy. <laughs> that's this guy. That's why I'm not a martial arts student. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to motivate you. Yeah, but he's producer, Ooh, me, folks. you know, like Mag J. He's picking up on all of our super ninja secrets just by uh, being here. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he, he, he's going home and he's practicing. That's right. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be tiptoeing up the bamboo in your backyard before you know uh, it. That's right. He is the very ninja climbing <laughs> At the very least walls. through the tulips back then. Uh, <laughs> ukulele in hand. Um, but, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, we're all human and, and we can all be lazy, but... You have to understand, if you're going to undertake a martial art, that there is no shortcut around uh-uh. the blood, sweat, and tears to get, to get that thing done. You know, it shouldn't cripple you. It shouldn't leave you, you know, it mm. shouldn't hurt your health. It shouldn't be anything that extreme. Well, of course but, not. But you are going to have to work hard at it. And, folks, guess what? That goes for any skill 
in from life. guitar playing to picking it, taking out the garbage and lifting it up, you know, lifting with the knees, whatever it might be. Right. And, you know, and, and I got to say this. I, I personally have to have certain specific classes and instructions on how to train at home very consistently. Um, the old boys didn't. You know, because it was just a fact of life. They understood it coming in. We have very, in, in TCMA or traditional martial arts, we have very specific formulas on training. 10,000 times, bare minimum to get a skill down. And, you know, and that's perfect repetitions. That doesn't include all the variables about being light, being heavy, considering the guy coming from your left, considering him coming from your right, all this, you know, different kind of stuff. Guys yeah. want to take that matrix pill so bad it ain't even funny. And then they yeah. come into class and say, no, I did practice. I did. I did. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> matrix well, pills. When it, has it two wasn't... thumbs and doesn't practice, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, and it's not just the old guys. It's not just something that, that tradition says, so therefore you have to do it that way. Uh, modern science supports that exact yeah, same theory. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's not like it's a mystical damn thing. I mean, come on. If you, how do you expect to get good at something unless you do it? A right. bunch you do it times. a bunch of times. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. We can get down to the biophysiology of it at this point, but it still stands. Yeah, you know, and ten thousand is a, is a good round number that seems to be right where that's, expertise starts absolutely. to kick in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's just something. You know, the numbers are. You know, from well, Chinese 10, symbology, ten thousand Chinese just meant a lot. Yeah, a crap load. Yeah. But it, 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 I mean, it basically it's it's a high number, and that's what you're going for. And you can break it down to ten times a day, whatever the hell it may be for you in your busy life. But you're gonna have to do the work if you want to get some decent level of skill. You know, yep. for somebody else to go, wow, that's kind of good. Yeah, but they they maintain the ten thousand number. <clears throat> and they maintained it, you know, fairly well. And this applies to pretty pretty much anything. Ten thousand hours spent doing anything, right? Oh yeah. Well, you know, as long as you're doing it, that's a good rundown. doing it well. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, we doing should. it and doing it. <laughs> we, you know that, that that topic alone is worth breaking out into its own discussion at I some think point. So. Yeah. so we will tag back on that a little later. Let's, yeah. So let's move along. Is that okay. a call forward? Yeah, it's a call forward. <laughs> go forward. Infinite loop number eight, man. Yeah. We're going forwards and backwards. Do not adjust your sets, people. So, oh, that was the future happening right so, there. So I've got a question for you then. Sure. What are some of the qualities that go into making a good student then? Hmm. Well. People that don't do all the above. <laughs> all those things we just talked about, yeah, they don't do that. So what is, so what is, so what is on the positive side of the negatives we just talked about? Uh, one is a saying you hear in martial arts all the time, empty cup. That's right. Come in with an empty cup. You know, I've, I've been teaching what I teach for several years now. I, I know it pretty well. You know, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on it. I started taking something new a little while ago, and guess what? I walk in there, and I proudly strap on my white belt, and I'm like, okay, Tell me what to do. If it doesn't agree with what I do and the other things that I do, I'm going to ride it out and see why they do it that way. And I'm there to learn something new. And, you know, trying to, trying to uh, color it all with whatever I knew beforehand is... We do it, it this way in Bagua. Exactly. <laughs> well, all right, dipshit, go home. Go do your Bagua. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And no, no martial art, no matter how broad, is, is 100% complete. No. 
So there's always going to be things you can learn from doing it their way. So whether you're a brand new student to martial arts or – I think this applies more to people who have done other martial arts over time. Yeah, when you're cross-training usually is the, is right. the thing. You, you really need to empty your cup and come in there you know, ready to – if you're satisfied that you've found a good teacher – then you need to trust them, and, oh, yeah. and you need to make some space for that knowledge. Oh, and I eat it up because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm jealous. I, you know, when you're going to your new martial art, and I, I get on the phone with you all the time, and I'm like, dude, how'd it go? You know, what'd you learn? You know, and I'm trying to empty my cup via you because I can't afford it right now. <laughs> I, I didn't learn much yet, but I fell down a lot, so I'm learning how to get up. <laughs> At our age, that's an accomplishment. It is. Oh, I'm so relieved that I could still fall. <laughs> and uh, you know, again, though, the empty cup doesn't necessarily necessarily just apply to this i when i when i went to when i had my orientation for the audio program i went through that was one of the things that my academic director actually said in his address he said some of you may think that you know what you're doing you may have done some work in audio before and you might think that that that's a good thing Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) And this sounds like common sense to everybody, and it is. Um, But as we all know, you know, like, you know, if you're a Christian, you got to keep referring to your Bible and all this kind of stuff. Whatever's common sense, most of us don't do in daily life. I am going somewhere with this. Okay. But hanging on to the edge of my seat. We've we've all had, we've, we've both had the students that come in and try to show us more about what we know, right? Right. How about this? Are you male? If you're a male, and you've had a re- relationship that lasts more than, let's say, a year, you know what I'm talking about, because you don't know crap. If you try to tell your wife how it is... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you see, what? okay, that's just common sense. You now, need to empty your cup in life if you want to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> now we've moved into the spousal hatred portion of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's a universal principle, that's all. Well, yeah. Sometimes you gotta you gotta know when to choose your battles, and that that's sort of a different no scenario. With a teacher, you're 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 walking in there and saying, "Hey, you know this. I want to learn it. Please show me." Mm-hmm. Uh, but if that's not really your motivation, GTFO, baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Go home. You know. It's not like you have children together with this guy. You, know? right. <laughs> you don't have to work it out. You and, can, unless you do have we're children We're avoiding together. that well, part of the news <laughs> segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been keeping that out of the news for a while. <clears throat> we'll have to do a special show on that because uh, those are piling up. I can hear the safe creaking with those stories. <laughs> um, so, you know, that emptying your cup. Uh, commitment, you know. There and you go. The main thing about commitment this ties in with uh, another item I had That's here, which not is a contract, you which is right commitment and self motivation. Because mm-hmm. you know, in this day and age in America and the modern world, most people cannot spend enough time in classes physically to really, really get good at a martial art. Oh hell no! You have to, especially if it's something that requires you to practice forms and do specific exercises and stuff. You know, you can't just pop in twice or three times a week and and do it just then and hope to get better at any sort of appreciable well, And this even goes for, let's say, the MMA crowd, the ones where most of your art, you know, is, is getting with a guy and basically fighting, you know, and, uh, the whole time and learning and working your stuff. You d- he doesn't live in your home. Right. 
You know, you do not have all day to do it. You got the time that you're there at the gym or whatever with your coach and, and, and doing your stuff. That's what you got. If you want to go there and just prove that you're better than somebody without trying to learn it, you know, and without putting forth all the effort and taking something away, because you're going there to learn and then going home to practice. If you have a double guy art, yeah, there's stuff you can still do solo. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I suspect that commitment is also the kind of thing that's 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 a growing problem as far as it goes. It, it, the it, fast food nation problem. Well, there's that, but then there's just also the ever shortening attention spans. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, there's there's yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many things to there's so many things seconds. to catch your attention anymore. We're very much into instant gratification. Yeah, and absolutely. Martial arts is just simply not an instant gratification kind of thing. And as the damn phones get smarter, and when the implants for the internet come out, and your glasses have <laughs> Google why do we have to know this? Shit. We can just look it up whenever yeah. we need. <laughs> right. You know, like. Well, there's been a lot of research that says, you know, now that we're using the Internet, it's not that it's making us stupid, but what it is doing is we're filing a lot less away in our memory. personal yeah, memory bank. Absolutely. Because we know we can just go look that same fact up in that same way again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, ooh, that makes you such a strong individual. Which is fine if it's just random trivia knowledge that you're talking about. But when you're talking about a physical skill... That has to be ingrained. You <laughs> yeah, have to create absolutely. the engrams in your brain through repetition and this, myelination. Yeah, this of, goes back to know, like caveman nerve stuff. Fibers You're trying and, to better and, yeah. yourself, not not what you can you know how you can access the information faster and faster right. from something outside of yourself. You, you need can't to be ac- that information. You can't right. access muscle memory from Wikipedia. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I did look it up once, but well, I mean, you can, you can read. <laughs> you can look about up it. the definition. You just can't have the thing. That's the right. Thing. You can read about it. For and sure. you know, knowing what the word means ain't going to help you a bit when somebody's swatting at your head with a brick. And That's it's, right. It's it will be the practice that you've done up to that point. So, and even if your art is is like if, if you do something that's mainly for performance, like wushu. Uh, you still you have to grind endless endless hours just to be capable of doing it correctly. So, uh, you know it's going to take commitment. It's going to take dedication, hard work, hard and determination. Work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. I mean, Call this back. is typical for for traditional Chinese martial arts, but I think it 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 pans out for anything you do. But is charcoal, which means to eat bitter, right? You know, and you got to do it. You just simply got to do it. Yep, you got to work yourself past what your previous limits were mm-hmm. to to improve. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's some of the banal, uh, you know, the obvious things. Be on time to class. Pay on time. Don't take advantage to the of the instructor. You know, yeah, you you, you lost your job, whatever, <laughs> so, and stuff like that. We got to sell me right there. I don't think banal rhymes with anal. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I like it, though. <laughs> okay. No, that's all right. Now I know why you got that tube of grease up on top of the TV. <laughs> now you got it. Anyway, sorry to interrupt Anyway. You. Pick it up. It's for the banal play that's coming later. <laughs> that's right. Be anal. Now you see where I go. <laughs> I was walk. I was, uh, you guys busted the damn joke I was going for. Uh, anyway. Okay. But, but, yeah, be on time to class and, you know, pay on time. And the other thing is... Don't don't be a a, a a dick. All right, your teacher. You you have a rough time, and you say, "Hey, you know, I can't pay this month, or I only pay half." You know, whatever. A good guy is gonna let that slide, and whatever we understand. But then you start taking advantage of it, and oh well, on and on and on and on. 
Uh, don't do that. I love this. If you see yeah. that, if you see that your uh, your teacher is being extremely friendly to you, this is something I've had to change my personal teaching style and, and, and tweak it several times. Is <clears throat> that relationship between teacher and student? You don't want to just be like, okay, nice to meet you. Here's your instruction. Go home. We try to be friendly and all that kind of stuff. But then once the guy's like, you know, I might be able to work this to my advantage. Uh, don't be a dick. We know it. Okay. <laughs> I love this. So what makes a good student, Craig? Uh, pay on time and don't be a fuckhole. That's pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> don't be a clowny head. All right. Um, you know, one other quality I would like to get at before we start moving this along mm. is uh, – Something I always love in a student, and it, it has to be brought out the right way. But, you know, we've been saying all this, oh, trust your instructor, do what he says, you know, uh, come to do that thing. But the but, question. But we want curious uh, students who are, we can tell are mentally engaging as well as physically with the mm-hmm. material and coming up with what we call good questions. Yep, 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 yep. So I, You know how I used to do the, uh, way back when, too. I used to say every time we come to class, you need to have a question. You have to have a question every time you come to class. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's... And know, usually that question was, where the hell's Craig? Oh, <laughs> please. <laughs> but you know where I'm going with that. Same, yeah. same type of thing. A good question shows that you've been practicing and you've realized, oh, whoa, this really does do better if I attach it to my feet at the same time, you know? And there's something. It's... Yeah. I'm not sure what you're attaching to your feet. <laughs> you with the jokes today. You not, the, not, not the nipple clamps. I'm a, the, the, <laughs> this works a lot better if I plug it in. <laughs> Harmonies, luck hop, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know at. what you're saying. Uh, Come on, man. We've got to get some humor in this podcast, too. I know. We'll I know. bore the people just talking on and on about students are bad. Actually, they are. They we, are. we are students, students, and we are students. Uh, let me just make that clear. But, uh, you know, we've, we've seen uh, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly on this over time. Indeed. Um, a few other little tips we could say if you're, a, if you're a student out there looking for a new martial art or looking to start martial arts in general, and we touched on this earlier, uh, match temperament to style. Can you be more specific? Uh, you know, if you know that you, you don't want to be on the ground doing tons of knuckle push-ups, then you want to look for a school that's, that, doesn't, that, do that doesn't do that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, if you, if you like to mix it up and you like to punch other dudes in the mouth and you have fun with it, you know, and you can handle that, then go find a school that has a ton of contact. You know, exactly. find a style that, that is lots and lots of sparring and contact. If you don't like contact and you're timid and afraid, maybe you need to start with something that's going to build you up to that at a much slower pace. So, you know, look for something that has intermediate steps like, exactly. uh, like push hands or, you know, so, or, or short form drills or stuff where you can, because any martial art, frankly, any martial art to really be a fighting art, you're going to have contact at some point. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's very different methods of getting people up to speed. Exactly. Like I, I used to drop people into crossing hands uh, almost from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that uh, had its own inherent problems. All right, we, we're not going but, there. We're not going there. Maybe. But, but now I've kind of I've flipped the script, and I wait a little bit. Well, I wait much longer, making sure the students understand control and everything else. Um, right. You know, because I can't have mistakes, you know, right. uh, and go to jail and sued and all that other crap. Right, right. So, you know, you, uh, 
you should shop around and, and, you know, make sure that before you become a student, you're trying to match as closely with what your realistic expectations are, your abilities, and your desires. And, you know, They're, if you don't know what those are yet, it probably wouldn't help to, to sort of explore that. There, you know? there's, there's two aspects of that that, I, that I'd also say is, is, is one that you, that you brought up is to challenge yourself. It, just as a martial artist, if you're an awesome ground game guy and you believe all fights go to the ground and all this other sense – Great. Okay. Well, <clears throat> be a good guy and challenge yourself. Get up and try some striking stuff. Learn from it. You know, maybe the principles might help your ground game in some way you've never thought of before. And then the other aspect is just what you were saying, Mag J, is that some people don't know. I recently had a situation where a guy, uh, you know, uh, his teacher passed away, and he came to me, and, and he's like, you know, I want to pick up something new. And he said, I wanted this northern stuff, and, you know, I, I want to do all this. And I said, all right, great. So we put him through Tonto and everything, and, and he's continually asking me, hey, when do we get to spar? When do we get to spar? And I was like, well, we have this formula that i've created in this round of my teaching basically and i'm sorry but it's going to take you a while before you hop into the sparring and he wasn't satisfied with that which well, was cool i yeah. wasn't offended and i was like all right well here's these other schools that hop into crossing hands very early and of right. course it was a southern show, short range style which was completely different from what he said he wanted in the first place mm-hmm. so sometimes it takes you some fiddling some experimentation to realize what you really do want yeah and that tags back to the whole delusional aspect. Ah, true, true. Not, not major to like, oh, I'm seeing things delusions. We're just, you know, <laughs> kind of, we're, we're human beings and we kid ourselves all the time about what we really want. Mm-hmm. I'm the king of the world! <laughs> yeah, but actually you are. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's where that little crown comes from. <laughs> You're crowning over there. Oh, all right, well, oh, yeah. you know, uh, I think we've done a pretty good round of uh, discussion on this. That's uh, right. Hopefully our current students won't go running away and screaming for the hills. Oh, I'm down to like three anyway, so what's yeah, the difference? Right. <laughs> Maybe some of our listeners now are like uh, going to, now they'll become their own, you know, grandmasters and have their own tons of students because now they know what to look for, so. Hopefully hey, there it's helped some people out there. Yeah, exactly. That made no sense whatsoever. No, it didn't. <laughs> I didn't think so. And when Craig stopped making sense, that means it's time, time for a trip for the, to the, the Champagne, Champagne Lounge. Lounge. <laughs> and we'll be right back with our interview. It's the message in the song that makes you rock on. Some people go to places where they don't belong. Whether wrong or right, a lot of people fight. But I'm here to bless this mic, all right? I take action the minute that the crowd gets hype. I'm type crashing down like a meteorite. I'm bogarted, mics and whole stages. Destroying MC's dreams from words to whole pages. Their rap books look more like scrapbooks with their fictional fairy tales and frail ass hooks. A lot of shit has happened since I started rapping. There's been enough beef. Okay, folks, we're back. And uh, <laughs> drum roll, please. We're going to let Magnificent J flip the coin of destiny. So here we go. Here we fellas. go, folks. Two giants in the world of podcast <laughs> shall do battle on the field of interview. Oh, Call it. I don't know if it's going to be all that. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little overboard, but I like it. I do kind of like it. Um. Uh, so yeah. Well, who's who? What heads, tails? All right. Uh, oh man, why do you have to go? No, I tell, tell you what. Just call it in the air, Dave. There okay. you go. Heads. Tails. Oh, and now, now what, what does, does that, that mean? mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good point. Well, I think that means that you come under fire, sir. Oh, I oh. like it. 
Okay. All right. All right. Hit me with your best shot there. Hit me with your best shot. Well, this is Craig, and I am about to interview our host, David Jones. David. Who who the hell is that? I'm not sure. (laughs) Who are you, Dave? So you're obviously a martial artist, right? And a martial arts teacher. What uh, what led you on that path? What would what would you say first inspired you as an individual? First off, to even have the inkling of interest in martial arts. Period. Like every superhero, sir, we exactly. need your origin story. All right, origin story. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of old. I grew up in the in the seventies, and uh, back then there were a couple of things that that fostered my interest in martial arts one was uh that was back when kids still roam the streets and and packs virtually <laughs> what are you unsupervised. About today it's the same thing we just call it gang warfare <laughs> yeah. no this was all fairly innocent uh, <laughs> this this was back when that would happen in the better neighborhoods yeah too. oh yes and we were you know we were all into into uh, fantasy novels and Dungeons and Dragons and all that crap back then, you know, in junior high school, yeah. And, way, uh, back but way then, back, back then. then. <laughs> and uh, well, we can today. get to that later. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was a common thing for my friends and I to go cut sticks and hit the woods and team up into two teams and have vicious, like, Stick battles <laughs> across the uh, right uh, across the the neighborhoods. You're sure you're not just reiterating Braveheart or something? This no, th- that experience. was before Braveheart. Yeah, <laughs> well, before the movie, anyway. It was a personal experience. <laughs> but we did come home with bloody knuckles and torn jeans a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's called a callback. Yeah, callback. And uh, the other thing that got me interested in in the reality of martial arts was. Uh, Let's call it what it is, Black Belt Theater, baby, Ooh. where they would, uh, they would put the Kung Fu movies on you know, every Saturday. Or Friday. It depends on your local area, but everybody had it, the Kung Fu Theater, the Black Belt Theater, whatever they called it. Right. And just watching these you know, Hong Kong movies, uh, terribly dubbed and uh, not even pan and scan, but just chopped. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so you'd see people, you'd, see, you'd hear people talking on either side of the screen, but you couldn't see them because... All you saw was the table in the middle, and the fight scenes were all arms <laughs> flying in and out of the picture. But we would watch that stuff as kids and get all amped up and be like, "Come on, man! You know, let's do it!" And we we destroyed a lot of furniture and screen doors and, and <laughs> crap like that in the process. But it pushed me and a friend of mine. Uh, it, I remember his name, Keen Dillon, uh, to actually go and uh, sign up at the at the local karate school, which. Uh, Turns out at the time there in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, where I grew up, uh, and yes, my urine glows in the dark. <laughs> I don't have to turn on the light when I go to the bathroom at night. See, see. Yeah. Superpowers. That's superpowers. right. Yeah, like I said. Or- well, you know, growing up in Oak Ridge, I figure it's going to work out two ways. Either I'm doomed from the beginning, or I'm immune, like a cockroach. Are you one of the Oak Ridge boys? Yeah. No. <laughs> So, you know, your lifestyle choices are the same either way, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, we, we signed up the old Harold Long School of Karate, which actually it turned out later in life, I found, was not a bad lineage to, to get started in. Sweet. He, he Why? Had, uh, Harold Long was one of the early guys oh, over there. And you were just giving him a nickname like he had a long hair. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Long chain. Uh, he, he was uh, pretty well respected in the Okinawan circles uh, after World War II, so he, he brought back a, a legitimate tradition. And, Okinawan uh, karate, evidently. Yeah, Ishiguro. Okay. 
Ish and real. Is that the one with the uh, chick? Yeah, still it looks like a, like a mermaid. Yeah, like a mermaid coming yeah. up out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did that uh, off and on for three or four years. And, uh, and seriously, off and on, because I was also a, a burgeoning teenager. So I would drop out and, and, and ride BMX bikes and then decide I wanted to do it again and go back. So I would keep, like, quitting. And I'd work my way up to about green belt, and I would quit. And I'd come back, and they'd be like, well, here's your white belt back, jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I work my way back up to cup. about green belt, and I quit again. Yeah. <laughs> all, that, all that commitment and self-motivation we were talking about yeah. earlier. Well, you know, I, <laughs> my I, cup's been so empty. <laughs> I was a, uh, I was, you know, 12 to 14 or so years old at the time, so I guess you could forgive me for <laughs> being right. a little flighty. And uh, then I started moving around a lot for, for other reasons, and and pretty much let that go. You know, I still enjoyed it, and I still was constantly getting in brawls and stuff, uh, you know, at school or whatever. Let but, me stop you right yeah. there. Um, you said, so that sounds like a, you spent more than just several months uh, studying Ishinru. You know, if you were hard-pressed, could you remember perhaps some of the kato or some of the movements, just out of curiosity? Uh, you know, I might be able to fake my way through Sanchin. Uh, oh, that's cool. And, I, you know, I remember, I still remember, I can still make the distinctive fist with your thumb locked on top of it and, uh-huh. you know, just the basic stuff. But You mean the southern Chinese kung fu stuff? They Never mind. Yeah, well, you know, hey, <laughs> cultural feedback. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I won't claim to really know any Ishinru karate at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you still could be the mermaid, though? Uh, dude, I'd hang with that mermaid anytime. I'm with you there. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I was out of the martial arts and got focused on music and playing in bands and doing all that kind of stuff up until uh, I was probably, at this point, I'd moved up to New York and I was probably 21 by that time. What made you move to New York? Well, I, I, I played on the Nashville scene in several bands, and uh, a friend's band from D.C. had been swapping shows back and forth with us, and they said, hey, we've got great connections at the record label, and uh, we're moving up to New York. You want We love your band, too. Bring them up, and we'll share our connections with you. We'll share a house. We'll help you guys you know, get some traction. Let me, let me just, uh, just for our listeners' point of view, you know, I've... I've uh, Heard just seen you many times uh, in a musical aspect, but our listeners don't know. Are you lead singer? Are you a bass player? What? What? Uh, where are you in the music industry? There. Well, I was uh, mostly a guitar player, although I did play bass for a couple of years for a band called Jet Black Factory. Cool. In uh, Nashville, and uh, you can still find their stuff floating around. Uh, so yeah, so, so I was a guitar player. I was a guitar guy, you know. So I was mainly. Uh, Playing music in the clubs, chasing girls, all that good stuff. Hey, there cool. you go. Yeah, it wasn't a bad living, you know. <laughs> but uh, the band I was in at the time, and this had happened to me before, it's like you get right at the point where something big can happen, and the other guys in the band, you know, I love these guys, but they were all like, oh, my day job, my girlfriend, I can't, you know, I can't just pick up and move. And I, so some of that commitment and self-motivation Mike. we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, so I was so frustrated with it, and frankly, sort of getting tired of the rut I was in, and now at the time, I said, well, I'll just move up there by myself and start another band, you know, hmm. which didn't work out the way I planned. I wound up painting houses in Englewood, New Jersey for eight bucks an hour and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Englewood, and not spending much time in the city. But during the, the year that I lived up there, um, I was jumped twice. 
by just roving gangs of uh, asshats who wanted to beat the fuck out of somebody. And uh, I, you know, I made it out both times in one piece, but I certainly, uh, you know, certainly didn't feel like uh, that I had all the skills necessary to uh, to be able to get by if that ever happened again. What would you say got you out of those uh, scraps? It obviously wasn't uh, the mermaid lady. Uh, was it common sense? Was it uh, knowledge of something or another? What would you say got you out without uh, long-term martial arts training? Uh, well, uh, you know, I've n- I've never been afraid to stick my hand in the fan, so I've never been afraid of a fight. <laughs> so just <laughs> not being afraid is a big help because you don't lock up. There you go. Uh, and again, as we were talking with the previous guests, that's something that's kind of hard to teach people, but if you got it, you got it. And, you know... Uh, well, if you don't got it, you got to be thrown into it right. over and over again. It, yeah, well, it I'm, has to be brought out of you somehow. I'm, I'm sure some of the time you spent in Tennessee there, I'm sure you probably got into a scrape or two, you know. Oh, yeah, there was lots of fighting. I was one of those guys that never won a fight all the way through elementary school because I was a chubby little studious kid and then uh, rarely lost one after that because I was just trying to be meaner than everyone else. Yeah, that's. I just wanted to, to pipe in. That is definitely how we all think of Dave is a chubby little studious kid. Uh, I don't see why he used that phrase because that is completely. That was not. me until I got puberty, but I got puberty like it was dumped on my head from a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Between sixth grade and seventh grade, I went, you know, same elementary school the whole way through. And in seventh grade, I went to a school that had all of those people in it. And most of them thought I was a transfer student from somewhere else. So anyway, I, I you know, I, I had a couple of uh, scraps, altercations with uh, random uh, Gang violence. I don't want to call it that because these weren't the Bloods and the Crips. They were just a bunch of Jersey hopped up, you know, <laughs> screwballs. Right. But you know, I got out of more more or less in one piece. But the the second encounter, I got my nose broken. Oh wow! And uh, you know, New York wasn't really going like I'd planned. So I had uh, a, a fabulous aunt, my aunt dot dot, that lived in uh, Washington D.C. at the time, Dorothy. And uh, I was talking to her on the phone, and she, you know, I had no health insurance and very little money at the time, so she found out I had a broken nose, and she said, well, come on down here and visit, and we'll fix it up for you. And it turned out that they had a, uh, a basement apartment in their house, and they're like, well, why don't you just stay here? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, fine. So, you know. Kind of a creepy setup, actually. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. I'm just kidding with you. But, uh, but where was she? Where was she living? Uh, they were in Herndon, Virginia, right outside of D.C. So, oh, okay. uh, so you know, I, that's where I got my first zoo job. I worked at a zoo there, and uh, I had a great time and started doing Taekwondo. And oh, cool. I did that for, you know, a year and a half or so while I was living there. But I got a job as an animal control officer for the Humane Society in D.C. Right. Because I wanted to move out of their house and, you know, get back independent again. And, because uh, of your broken nose. Right. Okay. Huh? <laughs> and uh <laughs> no the, the the nose was long since repaired oh. uh and uh basement so, living wasn't kicking it no yeah no there were there were big ass black spiders in that basement oh, okay well, that's okay. all you gotta say i know to that makes now. you pucker up Craig. <laughs> <laughs> make me smile and run and as, as as sweet as they were to let me do that you know i was like a 22 three year old guy and i did not want to be living you know 22 year old guy i guess i lived there about a year and anyway, uh, enough of this crap. I, uh, you know, I got interested in Chinese martial arts at that point because my Taekwondo teacher was very honest. He told me up front, Taekwondo is a sport. 
Right. You know, he's like, it's not for street. It's a sport. And I wanted something with more of a street angle to it. So, uh, you know, the first place I landed was with this uh, fella, and I'll go ahead and say his name, Josephus Colvin. Oh, wow. He was yeah. a hunger teacher. He used to be in the Kung Fu magazines and mm-hmm. stuff some. So, you know, I thought, well, this guy, I met him. Uh, Big name in Hungary, yeah. Met him in Chinatown uh, and uh, started training with him in a dingy little apartment uh, and did that for a little while. But uh, that ended fairly abruptly because he got me to pay several months tuition in advance and disappeared. Oh, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. Yeah, so that was a... <laughs> <laughs> That was a bit of a letdown. That was one of one of my early lessons in uh, caveat I got to say, though, you, you know, it, it, that's sad to say, you know, hear about that. But at the same time, I've heard great things about the guy's skill, uh, obviously, since your time. but Yeah, I know. I'm, I mean, you know, upon reflection, he was teaching traditional hangar. Canton, I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was just uh, not to be, I suppose. <laughs> Haven't heard anything from or about the guy since. So, you know, bygones are bygones. Yeah. But uh, um, then I uh, I found uh, Ty Yim's Hung Fut School. A uh, Hung Fut. Hung Fut. Yep. Not familiar with that one. What's uh, what the hell is Hung Fut? Well, it's a combination of Hungar and Futgar. Futgar. Yeah. I've heard of Hungar. What the hell is Futgar? Futgar. It's got something to do with Buddha. I think. Oh, I like it. I see where you go. I see where you go. Oh, so, uh, you know, I, I got into that for a while, and, and that was a really good experience because, uh, one, I could trust the guy because he had a location, you know, and I knew he wasn't going to disappear with my money. And uh, he had a lot of good students, you know, uh, and that was really the first place where it was really hammered into me how much hard work it was. Because, you know, Taekwondo schools, you, you didn't spend a ton of time doing calisthenics. You mostly just spent a ton of time doing stretching, which is painful and boring, but not the same as to, to train at his school. You had to come uh, at least twice a week and do the beginner class. And right. once you master or not mastered, but were adequate at everything in the beginner's class, then you could start taking other classes with the forms and, you know, but the beginner class and his senior students still had to take the beginner class. Oh, that's very cool. They, they, they would teach it often, but they still had to do it a minimum number of times a month because it was the basics. Uh, you make sure that you have your basics. So that's where yeah. you did your stance work. You practiced single techniques, and you also did about 45 minutes at the beginning of every class of just blistering calisthenics. Right. It sounds and, like a pretty uh, stand-up thing. I mean, you know, you have, hear everybody, even now today, you know, we know you're in Bagua and stuff like that, and you don't... To be great at it, you just don't spin around and do all your fancy shit. We all know the basics where it's at. So it's cool that he had found a way to integrate that. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I was, uh, I was famous for being the guy who would work out for 45 minutes doing calisthenics and leave basically a human-shaped uh, sweat bomb on the indoor-outdoor carpeting of the school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do remember something about uh, you're the guy who sweat a lot. Yeah, what Craig is referring to is we went to a tournament in New Orleans many years back, and, <laughs> and uh, Yim Sifu was there. And I hadn't seen him in, you know, probably four or five years at that point. And I went up to him, and I was, I was you know, did the whole, I, Yim Sufu, you know, and uh, <laughs> gave him the salute. And he looked at me like, who the fuck are you for a second? And then he goes, oh, you're the guy that sweats a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. So that's, that was how I was remembered at that school. Well, at least you left that's an all. impression. <laughs> oh! 
<laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, yeah. That's right. Did you? Yeah. You can always see what I did, too, because it was extra. <laughs> well, just for you guys who, who, who don't know Dave, uh, you know, personally, he is one that has that kind of permanent sweater everywhere, so... <laughs> it uh, it helps. I'm a bit it of a helps. hairy beast, and I'm conditioned to a warm climate. I I hold water, and then I sweat it back out really easily. That's right. Which is probably what kept me from dying in your classes, Craig. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this: um, aside from evidently being the biggest Chinese game in town, it sounds like. Uh, did you like much of the Hung Foot? And if if so, why? And why'd you leave it? Well, I, I did like it a lot, and frankly, the only f- they have uh, they have a basic like I think it's fourteen technique form that mm. you learned in that you know that beginning class, and I'd frankly just gotten to the point where I'd graduated through that form, so I could start taking the other classes. And uh, you know, this whole time I'd been there, I'd been working uh, in animal control, and at this point, I was about twenty four. 25 years old, something like that. And I started to realize that, uh, A, that job was just killing me. It was ridiculous. DC right. was just a hotbed of nonsense back then. Oh, uh, yeah, crack cocaine and whores and everything else, right? Yeah, That's yeah. where we met you, isn't it? And politics. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that so was a, that was a different we crack neighborhood. Said that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was trying to, you know, play in a band at night and do this job all day. And uh, it was just driving me crazy. And I realized, you know, also it was ridiculously dangerous the way it was set up at that point. Mm -hmm. So uh, I decided to do something different with my life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I quit the animal control job. I worked at a vet clinic for a few months while I got my head together and wound up going to UGA. UGA. University yeah, of, of Georgia. Georgia, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it took a while to put all that together, but I did that and went down there. And, you know, I think we've already had on the podcast uh, a little story about how I, how I found you, uh, thanks to Douglas and his frog button jumpsuit. That's right. <laughs> that was uh, episode the last episode, episode seven, I think. No, that was, no, that was episode six. six which yeah. is up now. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what brought me to there. You, you know what happened from there, right? Uh, yeah, I do, but our our listeners don't. And even though this story is going to make me feel slightly, if not more, embarrassed, why don't you tell us why you what you enjoyed from from that style and what uh, made you uh, stop doing that style and continue searching on? Uh, well, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the Shaolin because it was super athletic. Uh, it, it continued on with that. You know, by the time I got there, I'd figured out what, how much work it took. You know, I'd figured out the eat better thing. Right. So I was ready to do it and, uh, had a fantastic time doing it and learning the forms and stuff. But, you know, you were a young man at that time too, Craig, and... <laughs> After yeah, after know. a certain number of years, uh, you became rather erratic and hard to pin down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me? No. And at one point, you just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And for several months, uh, you know, it was... At that point, there was me and uh, I think Bob Kretz and um, Lisa, the Canadian Lisa. Right. There were, there were like three of us hardcore people who kept getting together and working out and stuff, but we weren't adding any new material, mm-hmm. and uh, it was getting kind of dry. We did uh, we did a few drive-bys in Atlanta, uh, trying to find another place to train, and didn't really hit anything satisfactory along that road. So I was on the point of you know, and this is also you know, life goes on, and I I had, yeah. I had broken up with a long-term girlfriend, and or vice versa, and 
You know, a lot Athens of stories there that you uh, guys yeah. will hear. We don't have time for all these stories, but let's just <laughs> yeah. say Athens is a college town. It's a fantastic place. You get sucked in, but you know, as you start to get a little longer in the tooth, uh, it can definitely become a, a, a spiral of. Uh, it's a great place to avoid responsibility, right? So I knew I had to shake it up. So I'd literally, I went out to California. I, you know, I checked in I, on some places out there, and I was planning a big move out to Cali because I'm like, you know, I've got nothing else to do with my life at this point. I really want to just hammer down on a system and get the whole thing. I right. want the whole enchilada, and, and I'm, I'm going to do it now before I get too old to, to spend the time and the money and the, you know, whatever to do it. So... Um, this is a funny story. Uh, I had already made one trip out there and hadn't really found what I was looking for yet, but was still planning on it. And I was staying at my grandparents' house up in Tennessee, and uh, I was reading. Uh, is this, uh, what? Just curiously, where was this in Tennessee? Lenore City. Oh, okay. Lenoir City. Um, yeah, it doesn't get much more backwards than that, but uh, it was it was a nice, quiet place to convalesce. I beg to differ. Oh yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I could Have show you. Have you been you to Baxley? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're not that much different, brother. Uh, so you know, I was convalescing up there, and uh, I was hanging out at my grandparents' house, and I was reading uh, uh, the Smith and Pittman. Bagua and Shingy books, and I noticed. Oh yeah, those books are so long and deep. I'm sure it took you like yeah. twelve months. <laughs> They're like thirty-two pages. Yeah, no, I was no, I just happened to be reading them that day, and I was like, well, I should, I should look this guy. And I looked in the back, and it said that uh, you know that they were in Flat Rock, North Carolina. And I'm like, well, that's just over the mountain for me. So, uh, not knowing at the time that you know Mr. Smith was a CIA guy, <laughs> I called information in Flat Rock, North Carolina, and said, "Hey, uh, is Robert Smith in the book there?" No, we don't have a Robert Smith in the book. <laughs> and I hung up the phone, and it rings, and I pick it up, and it's Craig on the other line. Just <laughs> getting back in touch, and I mentioned what I was reading. I was trying to track down, you know, uh, Robert Smith or Alan Pittman. He said, oh, Pittman, I know Pittman. Yeah, he teaches down in the park. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But suffice to say, I came down and, uh, you know, uh, took one of his classes, and he was actually uh, out of the country on some of his travels at that point. But the classes looked really interesting. I think Big Al taught me my first class there. And uh, What did they teach you? I'm I'm curious. You mentioned you were reading books on Bhagwan Xingyi. you know, I know today you're a, a very specific style Bagua uh, instructor, but uh, what were they teaching uh, at the time? What were you looking they for? They were doing both classes, the, the Shingy and the Bagua, and, and I started out taking both of them. Did you know what they were kind of before you went in? Or? Yeah, I had some idea. Oh, okay. Um, How so? Just from the books? or uh, From reading and from talking to other martial artists and stuff. Cool. Um and one of the things after, uh, you know, to be honest, one of the things after being in Shaolin for so long, like I did, what, five, six years of Shaolin? Yeah. yeah. And was still maybe a third of the way into the system. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I so used I'm to like, be very old school. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I need something a little more concise, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, that appealed to me. You know, Xing Yi, you got five fish, you got 12 animals, you, boom, you got a style, you know? Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of other stuff to it. But the material, and Bagua in particular, really. Uh, fascinated me because it's very elegantly structured so that you've only got, you know, uh, two palm changes, eight mother palms, 64 linear tactics. It sounds like a lot, but they're all really short forms. You know, they're just component parts, right. 24 basic 
stems, you know. Now, is that is that just out of curiosity? Is is that curriculum that you just said is that Gal specific or is that, that Bagua in general? That's Gal specific. So yes. We haven't gone there. Don't yeah. jump over the hurdle. Okay. <laughs> you know? Hey, you wind me up, and I'll talk. I know. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's Gal specific, and uh, and I really was fascinated with the way that you could learn this in a finite amount of time and have the whole toolbox there. But very early on, I started to see how you could make those different components play against each other to basically create a bottomless well of progressive technique to work on. Right. I have no clue what he just said. That was like way over my head philosophical, but pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. Well, again, so rather than trying to have like, you know, 20 long format forms to learn it, mm-hmm. you learn the basic mechanics through a fairly limited toolbox, but then you learn the tools to expand that to whatever direction you want to take it using the same tools it's like you know you can you can build you can, if you're a carpenter and you've got a toolbox if you if the knowledge is contained in your head then you can if it's a good toolbox you can build a cathedral or a bathhouse with it right you know i prefer the bathhouse I, well. sounds like you're hitting back <laughs> on what i'm seeing a theme going on here in the early stages of Haya, um which is principle over technique um that we all love it but let me ask you this it sounds to me that that what you really uh, liked about what Alan Pittman was offering uh, was kind of the structure of the system, and that re- that it was easy to understand. It was very finite. Uh, you could see what the entire curriculum, what the entire style was made up of. Even though you know you obviously didn't learn everything on day one, you could see what you were going to learn, and it was very well laid out. Yeah, and you know that there was a light at the end of the tunnel with that. So it's like, okay, right. if I do A, B, C, D, and E, then I'll at least get to the point where, if not a master of it, at least I'm self sufficient and continue, can continue growing without having another laundry list of things in front of that that are specified to do. Right, right. Um, and you know, I also have to credit just some luck there that I happened to fall in with him at a particular point in time when he had. A group, another group of people that had either just joined or had been there for a relatively short period of time that decided they wanted to train old school and brought this up to him. Me and about six other guys said, you know, we want to do this the way you learned it when you were training in Taiwan well, or whatever. If that was all six, then not all six hung out for the full. Uh, you know, not all of them made it the whole way, but most of them did. And, How, and, and what was the I'm just lucky of the that most of them don't care to, to... I'm just curious, what was the number of the people, like in total, that finally took that photograph? Oh, uh, six? Was it? If you count Pittman, yeah. Oh, if Pittman, he was teaching himself? You, you knew where I was going with it, and you didn't want to touch <laughs> yeah. it. It was fine. Uh, you know it was fine. I'm just leave that alone. Uh, anyway, anyway. Uh, how about for our listeners who maybe uh, are, are not familiar so much with uh, the internal Chinese styles, what is Bagua? How would you uh, tell somebody what is Bagua Zhang uh, who's not familiar with it at all? Okay, uh, you know, and again, this is just coming from me. I, I you know, I, I'll yeah, stand behind you, my Dave. own opinions on this, but uh, – the Gao, the the Bagua I know, which is Gao Bagua, and I, I've done some Chenpanling Bagua and dabbled in a few other styles. Uh, but my, my bread and butter is Gao, and it, what I like about it is it's a 
it's a system of martial arts. It has the same principles that the other internal arts do. You know, relaxation, um, uh, sinking. It's it's not. It doesn't have a lot of fancy stuff in it, or at least not. You know, there's not a lot of aerial acrobatic kicks or whatever. Oh darn! Yeah, there's one jumping kick in the whole system. And it's just <laughs> a chicken kick. Is that wind or no? Uh, no, that's the last house. Um, and. Uh, but what it is, is it's designed as a bodyguard's art. So a lot of the martial arts that you see, uh, traditional martial arts that are left over, were uh, originally or derived f- from originally battlefield systems. And Xing Yi is a great example. You know, Xing Yi, a line of guys could do those movements going down a field side by side and not get in each other's way. Right. And something you could kind of easily pick up. You know, I've done a little Xing Yi, and, and yeah, there's definitely some philosophical concepts that take a while to pick up, but it's very direct. You can figure out how to use it very quickly. Right. Whereas uh, Bagua is, is, uh, is designed as a bodyguarding style, hmm. Interesting. which means that it's all about changing direction. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not a, not, it's not about clearing a field. It's about you know, protecting something at the center, basically. Ah. <laughs> the center being perhaps your paid client or your something? paid client your your family member or yourself if that's the case you ah. know um so it does i think it lends itself well to to modern self-defense where you know most of the time you're not going to square off and get in a street fight with a bully and if you do then fine punch and kick the guy you know yeah. <laughs> and just do that but if you get jumped from behind or you get surrounded by people in an alley that's where something like bagua comes into play it's it's a it, there's less about walking up and punching somebody in the face and more about getting control of someone and moving them, using them as a human shield, pushing them into, you know, into other people. It's, it's about sowing confusion and chaos oh. rather than standing your ground and, and fighting. So like That's Bagua, cool. you see people circle walking in Bagua. It's because one of the reasons is because you want to develop the ability to issue power and do all that without stopping and setting your feet. So you learn Very to cool. you learn to keep moving and still maintain balance, root, and all those other things, which is very handy when it could be coming from any direction. Right. Well, since it's a Chinese art, and, and what you were saying is, is is extremely interesting. And, and you know, a lot of Chinese arts, of course, my Northern Shaolin included, uh, uses what we call the horse stance, right? And it's very static mm-hmm. for training. But of course, in in real usage, we don't sit there in a horse it's a transitional piece would you say that the walk in the circle might be compared to a horse stance in other arts it might be we also have our own horse stance though (laughs) which is used at the very beginner level where you learn a lot of the tactical hinges um not that it's a beginner thing you practice it throughout the system but uh, you you learn tactical hinges with your feet planted because right. it gets really confusing to try to walk and learn at the same time it's like chewing gum and juggling oh, and okay. walking I get what so you kind of you kind of plant your feet and learn these tactical hinges before you start moving and right. it it helps develop root and 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 do a lot of other things kind of like a moving root right and and that's what you you're looking for a consistent moving root like uh, Shaolin has a floating route. You'll move and stick, move and stick. And Bagua wants to just like a tank tread, basically. <laughs> yeah, <keep laughs> yeah, that's cool. Steady rolling, steady rolling. Steady rolling. 
Well, that's very cool. Um, some of the things you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> you know, it's, it, it's interesting. Bagua's, everybody knows about Taiji. They've heard it. Xingyi, people are starting to hear about it. Bagua, I think, is, is still kind of one of those, for a lot of people, one of those mystical unknown arts, you know. And I've even heard about people refer to it as the art of invisibility simply because you're there one minute and you're not the next. I'm because here. you're simply walking no, I'm around here. them. No, I'm here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm curious about your take on, on two aspects. One, Dong Hai Chan is a very controversial figure because yeah, I don't of know history him. and everything else. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this invisibility thing. How do you take the, the kind of the myths that, that surround the art, unfortunately, from less educated people, and turn them into a very practical system for not just your understanding, but also for teaching? Well, you know, one of the good things about the system not being uh, very widely known or practiced at this point, although it is picking up some steam, there's several practitioners out there that are, you know, making Bagua more of a household name among martial artists, I guess, is that it hasn't had to pander to the lowest common denominator uh, in a lot of cases. So it's still the system that was taught when people were using it. Very cool. And uh, the whole disappearing thing, look, there's no magic to it. It's, It's a perceptual game. And uh, it's actually, it comes down to very basic footwork. Ah. Um, but if you, if you put your hand in somebody's face and get them to react and simultaneously step around their corner and turn around, then you can literally, and I've done this many times, you can literally shock the shit out of people because you create a gap in their perception. You know, our brain is not a perfect teller of reality. That is true. Uh, you know, the senses don't just dump pure reality into the brain and there you have it. So... It's not that hard, especially if someone's not expecting it, to trick that system into glitching. So, And you don't even have to move that fast. You just have to distract them properly. And before they know it, you're around the corner. And I've literally had people like look both ways. And like, Where the hell did they go? Tap, tap, tap. Right. You know? So you um, kind of did your little invisible trick. Yeah. Like I'll ninja. go invisible right now. Listeners, watch. <laughs> Where the hell okay, did you go? Can you see me? Can you see me now? <laughs> you know, you I, see me now. people. I, I don't think realize unless they've looked into it how much of a how much there's a, a real latency between between what the your eyeballs actually take in and and registration in the visual cortex. Right. Like, well, your brain will create visuals for you if you're trying, especially if you're trying to do something that's moving very fast. So, like uh, for oh, instance, fill in the frames. So you, you if yeah, exactly. Uh, you. A baseball thrown by a professional pitcher, a fastball, moves too fast for you to see and hit at that range with a, with a bat. Oh, yeah. So your brain watches the guy wind up and sees the ball leave his hand, and you think you're seeing the ball coming. You're not. You're seeing what your brain tells you it, it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same and that's, what, and that's why it's hard as hell to do it. Yeah, yeah. but that's, that's why you can hit a fastball, because your brain predicts and... It doesn't give you that information saying, well, this is a prediction only. You know, It just gives it to you, and As you think fact. you've actually seen it. Yeah. yeah. And, in fact, you haven't. You've just projected it. Yeah. We're, you know, let me touch on, on uh, kind of the Chinese wording of this. I mean, ba, I know, means eight, and gua, I have no clue what the hell that means. But zhang, I know, means palm. Okay. So let me ask you this. Uh, you know, most Chinese martial arts, it's either chen you know, Q-U-A-N or Zhang, Z-H-A-N-G, which means palm. So you got palm or fist. What's up with that? So you're saying you probably, in, in Bagua, don't hit with the fist much. You probably 
Hit with the palm? Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, there's still plenty of punching in Bagua, but uh-huh. uh, I think the reason they call it a palm and not a fist is because it's, a, it's an upright grappling and striking art. Grappling? Wow. Yeah. So you do a lot of grappling. One, you know, it's like, you know, you can hit people in the skull with impunity with your palm and not so much with your fist. <laughs> Uh, if you don't believe me, go punch a brick wall and then hit it with the palm of your hand and see yeah. which one you can do harder. <laughs> uh, but you also want your hands open so you can grab because there's a lot of ah, manipulation that goes on. There's a lot of upright grappling. And the, and Bagua does not have a ground game. It mm-hmm. has upright grappling. It has throwing. It does not have a ground game, and I think it's purely because it was designed – Throw them down and move on? As, as, a, as a, uh, an art for multiple opponents. And I, you know, I'm glad I had a, a good solid background in, in Shaolin and some other Shingi right. because if I face off against one dude, I'm not going to use much Bagua because yeah. it's not called for. Right. You need to fall back on a straight-up mano-a-mano kind of fighting game. Then. But, you know, the uh, – the, uh, In real life, people don't tend to just jack you up by themselves. They're too frightened. They come with other people usually. Right. So the, the main reason you don't have a ground game is because if you have multiple opponents and you go to the ground with one of them, then that leaves – Plenty of time and opening for the rest of them to gather around and, and put their boots to the back of your head. So, Interesting. you know, that's, that's the thing with that. Cool. How about that, that middle word there, the gua? What, what does that mean? Well, man? one, you know what it means. Don't be coy with me. But it's, uh, <laughs> oh, come on. I'm doing this for our listeners. Most of the shit I already know, dude. Right, right. Okay, so I don't know. Uh, what's the gua? Tell me about this gua. The gua is a trigram from the I Ching. Uh, so it's basically uh, the, the I Ching was, was probably the first uh, binary language. It's all ones and zeros, essentially. It's mm-hmm. solid or broken lines. Connection so, with the yin yang and yeah. all that other shit. So a right. gua is a, is, a, is a trigram. It's basically three lines. And there's eight combinations of solid or broken you can get with three lines. And so, and those represent, you know, um, elements, uh, other philosophical entities, uh, you know. And the 64 linear tactics, obviously, you can make 64 hexagrams by combining those like eight. Like the I Ching. Oh, yeah, okay. And that's just like the I Ching. And there is an association with each, you know, uh, linear tactic to a specific hexagram. I understand that association came later, though. Yeah, I think in the end, um, a lot of that happened in the the 17th, 18th century when they're was sort of a movement in China to make Scholar the arts more scholarly and Confucian yeah. and all that and shit. sort of bring them up a little bit socially. Uh, it, it makes for an interesting game. Like, you know me, I'm a totally non-mystical person, so I don't think the Tao Te Ching is an Screw oracle. Screw that, dude. I watch you float every day. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think the Tao Te Ching is an oracle or anything like that, but like all these things, if you have a good translation of it, you can use it. It's, it's the same as the concept. Like, if you go to the Tao Te Ching and cast your yarrow stalks or whatever, because you're, you're thinking... Fool. No, because you're thinking of I'm something... I'm going for the fool concept. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to make a decision, Right. So it's the same principle as if you have a choice between two things, then flip a coin. Not because you give a shit what the coin says, but because as soon as that thing is in the air, you're going to know. You're going to have an idea. You're going you, to want it to come up one to way, land. right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. and so as a tool for that sort of thing or for self psychology, it, it, it you know, Dao Te Ching uh, works as good as anything else. So, Dave, one of the things I've I've noticed just uh, you know being a martial artist in, in the Chinese tradition and whatnot, is I always hear uh, Bagua and Xing Yi paired together, and you know I've read some things and whatnot about the reasons why, but I I think our listeners would be interested to know why because when you look at it, one's kind of what 
some people would say a linear art and the other a circular art. So what's the pairing there? Okay, well, there, there's a million different explanations for that out there. And some of it, I'm sure, had to do with just the fact that those two styles were popular at a certain period in the same place, at the same time. But my take on it is um, it's good to have both. Like I was saying, Bagua is not geared directly towards walking up to somebody and smacking them around. It's more about manipulating a crowd or a, a group. Right. So the tactics are very different than if all you have to do is focus on one person and run them over. Oh, okay. And Sheng Yi is very, very adept at focusing on one person and running them over. So <laughs> if you mix those two things together, then you should have all your bases covered. Oh, okay, right? yeah, that makes sense. Of course, you still need a ground game, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind that. It's uh, it's. Uh, I think they just you know these guys realized that they were complementary. Right, right. I guess uh, probably the reason the lack of the ground game it wasn't uh, really thought of at that point because it wasn't a need. Um, as situations were different. That's my take on it. But what what do you think there? Why the lack uh, of a ground? You game know, there's people both? way more expert than me on that sort of subject, but. Uh, a lot of that goes into the cultural history and so forth in those Chinese styles. But if you, if you look at if you look at Shengyi, which obviously grew out of battlefield roots, it's right. like let's take these guys and and show them you know four or five basic techniques with a spear that they can do in in, in tandem. Mm-hmm. Then that's great on the battlefield. But what you're probably not going to do is get down and wrestle. Or if you do, it's just Every you know, it's every man for himself, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, somebody, if if you, but if you're doing that in formation, you will get stabbed with a spear. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. You know, I'm actually seeing a corollary here with some of our previous interviews. Exactly. I with feel the Japanese almost, arts. Yeah, I almost feel like I'm parroting there. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, Ellis pointed out that in some circumstances there was a lot of grappling. When yeah. the lines broke and people were grabbing each other's armor, and if you're armored up, you're you know you're pretty easy to get a hold of. And there's a lot of, you know, Shingy is also very much an upright grappling and striking style. It's just got a different focus. Mm-hmm. And every martial art has a slightly different focus, yeah. you know. And, and that's uh, why there's different styles. Right. <laughs> and I also think at those times, culturally, wrestling was a very big uh, cultural thing, a sport. Oh, uh, it wasn't yeah. just in Mongolia, but in China and all over the world, you know. there. I think it was probably presumed that someone would have a decent wrestling game if they were any way martially inclined, because they would grow up doing that. Well, yeah. How many times have you, you know, just being a guy, go to reach to shake your brother's hand or give him a hug or something? And, and he then puts trip a freaking headlock and, on yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's as, a guy thing. We as, know as, that goes down. As human beings, we like to have our sweaty men rub all over each other. <laughs> I know. Snuggle, snuggle. <laughs> it's a completely different But it's, um, it's a episode, way to... It's, but, yeah, it's a... <laughs> It's a way to test and express masculinity in a relatively safe context, right? Because you can make people submit or you can win via the rules, you know, like Mongolian Jigora, wrestling. Kano, yeah, you, know, you touch your hand or your anything but your hand or your feet to the ground and you lose, you know. Right. So uh, so you put it in those sportive contexts and it's a it's a safe way to get that primal to play war. To play war to get that out, you know. And it's it's also very useful. I mean, but I think back in the day when styles like these were being codified that I think that was almost taken for granted mm, that people mm-hmm. would have a background in, in wrestling ground. And now of course they've taken it to a scientific extreme at this point. Right. 
but uh, I, I, I don't. Th- and you know, plus when people still made war hand to hand, it was very much about the weapons. Oh yeah, yeah. And if you got something, so, use it. Yeah, right. And so you know, I think grappling was sort of a bastard stepchild in those situations because. If you were on a field and you guys all had spears and the other guys all had spears and knives and whatnot, if we're you if you were completely divested of your spears and knives and and whatever, you you were probably not much of a threat. Yeah, you know. So because um, the guy behind you will poke you in the head with that spear point if you go down and say, "Look at my clinch." Right, right. right. So I, you know, I think in that context, that was probably why grappling was not. Or groundwork, I should say, because there's a ton of grappling, but it's upright and right. it's throw. Putting somebody on the ground is great because then they're easy to stab, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> or you can move on or whatever. But uh, I think it just results from that contextuality of the time. I agree. I, I think one of the one of the great things to me about <clears throat> um, Gal Bagua because I've I've done a little Bagua here and there, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, one things I can see is that it exemplifies one of the traditional principles of Chinese. You know, I can't say this for all martial arts, but Chinese martial arts are the four principles in general, regardless of the style, of ti, da, na, shui, of striking, kicking, or rather, kicking, striking, uh, manipulating the joints, limbs, and throwing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the word grappling's not in there because... Two, one of two things. One, it's understood because you combine different principles that you learned in those other things. And the other aspect is in the battlefield, somebody's going to stick you if you get yeah. down on the ground too long. Well, you can They're also argue that it is be. represented in there because uh, manipulating the joints is grappling. There you go. It's doing it on your feet or doing it on the ground. It's similar in that regard. It's a plain old difference. Right. Ooh, I went plain old. Plano. I thought you said plain old. Plano. No, plano. It rhymes with anal. It rhymes with, with, with banal and anal. Okay. That's called That's a the callback. Call <laughs> uh-huh. All right. <laughs> so, what else you got for me? What, one, one, one more uh, kind of philosophical question, if you would. Um, sure. Is we've talked on on how Shingi and Bagua paired off. And in Xingyi, Xingyi is, uh, you know, kind of the art of the five elements. Some people call it the five phases of energy and whatever. Um, but there's these cycles. You have them in Japanese arts, you have them in Chinese arts, and probably in others, of cycle of construction, destruction, manipulation, all this, the earth, wood, fire, all this kind of stuff. And in, China, in the Bagua, you have the eight gua, which, as I understand it, are manifestations of nature, like mountain, lake, uh, different things mm-hmm. like that. Or animals, or, uh, yeah. yeah. Right, well, not going to 12, but thinking about the, the main eight, is there a correlation between the eight in the same way there's a correlation between the five for Xing Yi? Just out of curiosity, really. Sure, uh, and of course a lot of this derives from, you know, when when people were originating these arts, a lot of them were not literate. Uh, so you needed to have cultural, uh, memorizable ways of organizing things. Like a ghetto gangbang. Gotcha. What? <laughs> oh, sorry. I was looking at my schedule for next week. Never okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, so they would use what was culturally available to, uh, to hang all this stuff together and make it easy to memorize. 
Um, and that being said, I think they found along the way a lot of happy accidents. Like you can take the five fists and Xing Yi and do creative or destructive cycles with them, basically pairing them up as counters. Right. Okay, um, okay. And uh, since Bagua is binary, uh, in our system anyway, you can do the same thing by taking... When you uh, say binary, do you mean kind of yin-yang? Is that the same thing? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, and you can, uh, you can do the same thing by taking uh, you know, linear number one versus linear number nine. And you can actually a whole octave, right? So basically, and and what you'll find is uh, <laughs> what you'll find is uh, that you can make good uh, attack and counterattack sequences out of those. Cool. Um, but again, I think that's just uh, uh, a way to break the toolbox open further for you. But none of it goes all the way because you can also take one and. 16 and figure out a way to work them 16. as a... 16? How do you get to 16 I picked eight? a number at random. Uh, yeah, uh, but how do you get to 16 <laughs> from 8? Well, you double it. Oh, okay. So just do number 8 twice? <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm saying is you could pair one up with any other linear. Oh, uh, the linear fi- from the 64, I guess. Right, okay. and figure out how to make an attack counterattack sequence out of that. Cool. And what that does is it drills down, even though those are very short forms... And the whole binary pairing, you know, that's built into the system um, opens that door to you. But you can apply that throughout the entire system. And what it does is that even though they're very small forms, it opens your eyes to the fact that even a small form has a lot of components. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of places where you can change. So As you, in Bagua. Yeah, you start, to see, you start to see new utility in, you know, what you thought was just a hammer can now be used to pull a nail as opposed to just drive one or you know ah. i'm making sort of specious analogies here <laughs> no but, but you, that's very cool I but like you that. but you yeah. get the point i'm trying to get out i think pull instead of just uh pound right exactly and you know with a more versatile tool like a form like this you can get a lot of different uses out of it and i'm sure <laughs> stop <you're>, cackling jay <laughs> i'm sure you're not talking about you know being a tool jay but is that uh, I'm sure you I'm sure you're not saying that when you have a one with a sixteen or an eight with a sixteen that it's a a pre-recorded response for set things, but probably based on the principle behind it. Right. The whole object is to apply the principle of that form to a wealth of different scenarios. So um, you stop thinking of it as an uh, you know if if you do the one versus eight drill. Mm-hmm. That'll give you a clear little road. It's like, okay, it's pretty obvious. Right here is where I need to, to drop this one on that one to get the effect. Right. But when you start mixing it up further, then you see that, that virtually any one tactic, if you're doing it correctly by the principles, you can pull the ideal principle out of that for the situation. Right. I don't know if I'm explaining this clearly. I think you are. Basically, yeah. what I'm trying to say is... Um, that the there's these tactics are not intended to be specific responses. Right. They're intended to be principles that operate under certain circumstances. Principle versus principle. Right. So and and you can get a lot of interplay going by. That's why I say the system, even though it's fairly compact, is bottomless because I have never run out of new things to try. Right. With. How can you interpret this? Movement because it's based on this principle, but the principle even can be interpreted many different ways based right. on different situations. Exactly, that sounds very cool. Well, I think we had a, a pretty good uh, introduction into breathing? 
<laughs> what the hell? That's, oh, that's, that's me that's breathing. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I should stop rubbing his leg. I don't know. <laughs> I was hearing a little whistle going on. Oh, over no. There. <laughs> oh, family guy, that is a call back. Yep. Well, listen, I think we got a, a pretty good, at least a taste of an introduction into what Bagua is, and it's pretty enlightening. I appreciate that. Um, let me ask you for, for kind of specifics on a, on a personal nature here. Do you have, as you know, you're usually the one to ask Oh, this. yeah, I know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> what's, uh, you know, thinking about your experiences with Bagua and whatnot, um, what's a fucked up or a funny story you can share em- with our listeners? Embarrassing, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Not just embarrassing you know, about someone else, but ideally about yourself or, you know. Yeah. I'm, funny. I mean, we've got a million of them, and, uh, and you've already heard some of them if you've been following the podcast. For instance, the uh, beating well, each I other haven't. across North Campus uh, episode. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm going to go way back in the vault for this one because I, I still, this one amuses me to this day. And this was, this was early on when I was uh, a karate student, and me and that same friend I had mentioned earlier, Keen, we... we uh, had just finished, you know, a sweaty session with a couple of other buddies, just beating the tar out of each other all over the house. Is this in the Ishinru days? Yep. Nice. So we're we're like fourteen years old, <laughs> and we were we went upstairs and went out, you know, on the street. And uh, Keen had a pair of nunchucks, Ooh. and uh, he was fiddling. You know, we used to fiddle around with the nunchucks a lot. Well, of course, Bruce Lee did, everybody you know? fiddled yeah. around with nunchucks before. Hell, even Mr. I fiddled Norris around with nunchucks. I know it's hilarious. I've never had any formal training in that at all, and what a weird weapon that is. But I can still After do Mr. the drop passes and the behind the backs <laughs> and around the necks and all that. Crap. Me too. I think we all got into it. But you got to realize now, after Mister Norris officially came out, there was some Chuck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Chuck? Uh, uh. So. Um, so we we were upstairs kind of cooling down, and he was doing his passes and stuff with his with his nunchucks, and I'm standing there watching him. He goes, you know, I'd kick your ass with these nunchucks. <laughs> I said, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I'd kick your ass real fast with these nunchucks. I'm like, dude, you'd hurt yourself. He's like, no, I wouldn't. I'd kick your ass real fast. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. Right. Uh and so, uh, you know, we had another buddy that was hanging out, and he's like, well, why don't y'all try it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. And we were both cocky kids, so we said, okay, well, all right. So we squared off there on the sidewalk, and uh, he had the nunchucks. You know, he had him tucked one end tucked under his <laughs> arm, his arm ready to go. Yeah. That's about the only effective way to hit somebody with those That's things. Bruce Lee, too. So he was squared off with that, and I was squared off across from him. And this was the shortest fight I was ever in. Oh, no. He swung the nunchucks out and hit me square in the head. <laughs> At exactly the same moment, I kicked him with everything I had right, right in the up balls. In the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nutchuck right there. Yeah. So that that, that lasted all of about a, a tenth of a second, and then both of us were mewling in pain on the ground, rolling around. I, bet. I think uh, I think the only one that won was our buddy that encouraged us. To do it. <laughs> that didn't do anything but watch. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Oh, Listen yeah. here, folks. We may be in martial arts and all that good stuff, but common sense dictates if you see trouble coming, avoid it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now that I'm older and my teeth don't grow back anymore, I'm taking uh, taking a little more care of myself. <laughs> Kudos to you. Kudos to you. I'm not going there. No, but hey, stop it. Um, <laughs> at, at, after we get done with this thing, I, I got a pair of nunchucks outside if you want to go at it, buddy. No, they're called you know? nunchucks for a reason. None of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll give that one more shot. Sure. I almost <laughs> won that one. I almost had him. Split second earlier. I would have won. That's right. That's right. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate it. Although I knew the answers to most of these questions, I appreciate the enlightenment of that last story, which I had not heard before. <laughs> yeah, I had to find what you hadn't me, heard. Yeah, you gave me a nice surprise. You but participated you in too many of my shitty stories for me to surprise <laughs> you with one of them. <laughs> you ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. And we got to save something for next time. Well, all right, folks. We're going to move it on along now. Uh, we're getting a little long in the tooth, uh, as they say. And uh, next up... We have news. News, news, news. Turn on the radio. Nah, fuck it. Turn it off. Fear is your only guide on the radio. Nah, fuck it. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn on the radio. Nah, fuck it. Turn it off. Fear is your only guide on the radio. Nah, fuck it. Your savior by EOT. Watch the kerosene. Coming to you live from the dank basement of Craig Keesling Studios, we have news, news, news from the wacky world of martial arts. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, just to fill you guys in, we used to be up in the attic, and uh, this weekend, because it gets <laughs> hot as hell up there, we moved down to the basement. Yeah, where it's, where it's not as hot <laughs> by no. any stretch of the imagination. That's a good thing. It is. All right, well, um, for you listeners, I hate to double up on you. Uh, last episode, we had, uh, no, two episodes ago, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a death in the family, so to speak, in the world of Chinese martial arts with Lam Joe of Hong Gardine. And unfortunately, I got to bring some uh, more death news. Uh, Feng Zhichang recently passed away. As a matter of fact, um, yesterday... Um, but two days, if you're kind of in the States, you know, they've got this time difference and all this stuff. But basically about 2.30 in the afternoon in Hong Kong, Feng Zhichang of the Chen-style Taiji Chen lineage um, passed away in Hong Kong Hospital, unfortunately. He's... That was pretty cool. Uh... <laughs> Feng Zhichang uh, was was mainly known for his Hunyan branch of Chin style Taiji Chen. Uh, we heard a little bit about it uh, from our brother up in Athens, Georgia, Todd uh, Elihu, uh, who told us a bit about it. Um, he Feng Zhichang was also involved somewhat in the practical method of Chin style. Uh, he was also involved with the Lao Jia and the uh, very traditional Chin style Taiji Chen. You know, I'm not a big uh, Chin-style inheritor type of guy, so I'm, I'm not sure about a lot of these details. And when I found out about this, you know, it, it, I was heartbroken to, to say the least because I know who he is. Um, but I don't know all that much about him, but I'll share with him, uh, with you guys, what I do know. Um, he was pretty top-ranked. He began training at eight years old, you know, common enough because he's, Chinese and eight's a lucky number. But he was born in 1928, um, lived a great life, uh, ended up being, you know, a member of the Chinese Wushu Association, the vice president of Beijing Municipal, Par- Municipal Arts Association. 
Uh, he was the president of the Beijing Municipal Chen Style Taiji Chan Research in- Institute, and he was also the head of Huasha Martial Arts Club. Anyway, <clears throat> in his life, he did a lot of different things with martial arts, not just Chen Style. Believe it or not, he actually started off in the Shaolin arts, and specifically the Northern Shaolin arts, of course, of which um, I am uh, an actor part. So he actually didn't didn't train with with the same style that I do, Northern Shaolin, but it was Northern Shaolin based arts. Uh, a specific art that he trained in was Tongbei Chen, Fan Thuy Bak. Uh, he he did a lot of Fan Zichen, Tong Zichen. Also, as a kid, he did the you know, the children's Shaolin thing. This is a fairly common story from people oh, from that era, too. This is Chinese stuff. You're going to hear the same story, different names all over the place. But he studied the three main internal arts as well. He studied uh, Bagua, Xingyi, and Taiji uh, with Shaolin as an introduction. But he was mainly known for his Chin style as well as his Xingyi style. Uh, believe it or not, and I'm not sure which branch, you know, uh, of Xingyi that he did. Um, and I've heard that he is a title holder now in Chin style, but I've also heard others say that he's not. I'm not a thousand percent sure. But he was one of the last remaining students of Chin Faka. Um, and for those of you into Tai Chi, regardless, you know who this guy is. He's pretty much a badass. Not just from being new agey and stuff like that, but the guy fights with the stuff and does pretty damn good with it. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you, but he he was doing this for quite a bit. You know, uh, he's Chin Fako's 17th generation standard bearer of Chin style Taiji Chen. Some people say that uh, Feng Jichang is the 18th uh, holder. Uh, he is under. Under no question whatsoever, however, the next student uh, in lineage holder under Hu Yaochen uh, of Xingyi, of but a very specific branch of Xingyi, uh, Xingyi Liu Hechen, um, mm. which is the old Muslim branch, if you would, uh, predecessor to Xingyi Chen, the thing most people know of, uh, but specifically the Liu He branch. And I mention that, and I have a lot of respect for that, because in my system, Northern Shaolin, we have a specific sub-branch, if you would, called Liu He, you know, Northern Shaolin, Six Harmonies. And so there's no question as to why one of Feng's major um, uh, emphasis when he taught his Hunyan uh, was the Harmonies, uh, which I don't hear about a whole lot in Taiji. You know, you hear about it in Xingyi, obviously. You hear about it some in Bagua. But, you you know, I haven't heard of it this much in in, in the Chen style that he did. But his specific uh, Chen style that he was known for is Hunyan. I don't know a hell of a whole lot about it, but there was a lot of Qigong involved, a lot of um, being better with yourself, but also martially using the art, you know. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to bring that up. Unfortunately, there's not a hell of a lot out there on the net right now about it because uh, it's happened literally just a day and a half ago. Um, so I'm sure you're going to hear more of it. Look it up on the Internet. But I just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention because he was a big, bad boy, so to speak. <laughs> Moving on um, in a completely different direction. 
Now we have the 46th state of the United States, Vermont, uh, that is now allowing the MMA and has sanctioned rules and a governing party around it. Everybody's uh, getting pretty happy about this Green Mountain state. Um, there's only three other states left. Well, who are they? Who, who's, who's they? What, what, the states that are left. What are they? Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> no, just kidding with you. Um, but 46 plus 3 equals, what, 49, not 50 or 51 or anything else yeah, that but you would we're not, count. We don't count Hawaii or Alaska. Well, Alaska, <laughs> believe it or not, actually already has MMA. Oh, yeah, they, they wrestled polar bears. Well, that's right. <laughs> well, no, the, the issue there is, is a uh, nuance, if you would. They don't have an official governing body. Uh, a sports governing body to look out and, and make it all official. Um, but Vermont did, uh, and they're the 46th state to do it. The three remaining okay, is New York State, Connecticut, and Montana. But, well, <laughs> oddly enough, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't see this uh, going too far without us hearing about the entire damn nation being full up with MMA within the next year or two because I, I yep and let the corruption the begin you know <laughs> oh it's done begun New York State actually kind of kind of boggles my mind a little bit but fucking Montana I mean you know with the the hundred people that live in Montana put on a cowboy hat <laughs> I heard there was nothing but steers well never mind <laughs> <laughs> well I was telling them to put on a cowboy hat we was about to get down. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 It's the broke back UFC invitational. Oh. Did you have to go there? I didn't hint at it or anything. Craig, go over there and check his oil. Oh. Oh. What was that? The he can do thumb? that. He can yeah. do that, that from he was there. Talking about before. Yeah. He can do that from there. Now it's yeah. an interesting year because there. This is actually uh, the second state this year um, to make this achievement. Wyoming did it March eighth. So. I, I imagine we're gonna we're gonna see some things pop in here pretty soon. Hey, there's money in it, and states are starved for money, so we're it's gonna be MMA yeah. and legal marijuana and it's, everything else before you know. <laughs> wait, wait, the, wait, 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 wait. What was that second thing you said? I forget. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it, all right, you pothead. It, <laughs> it is the new WWF. I mean, you know when it when you well, think about you know, it. let's not slag MMA that much. They actually <laughs> fight. WWF I is did, where burly stuntmen entertain people. I really but. didn't mean it as a slag, honestly. I mean, from a from an entertainment perspective and just from a from a money generation perspective. Yeah. Oh, aside from that, pretty much every single martial art known to man is a MMA. None of this shit came from God, all right? Including professional <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's just sex. Come on. <laughs> With a dollar sign attack. That's all, it all comes back to sex. Yeah. Sex, sex, sex. Hey, it sells, right? And going in the realm of sex sells, MTV. You ever heard of that one? Well, not so much anymore if you're an adult, but uh, it was pretty uh, good back in the 80s, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I found this. Back when they actually played music videos? Yeah. I kind of dug it. Ah, me too. Me too. I saw some original videos that I feel mm-hmm. like I need to be paid for for having seen during the first release of it and all that good shit. Oh, yeah. Video killed the radio star. Oh, that's I a call that, that very first one. Yep. Anyway. I love that. Song, and podcasting is killing all entertainment. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Here goes another callback, but a callback directly within this episode. The Avengers, my friend. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, they're back in action, evidently superheroing it up on the big screen. There's right? a whole movie and shit out here. That's yep. what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hearing this. So anyway, I get this story off of MTV, right? And of course, and amid all the uh, Douglas Hutchison, where are you? Spe- spelling and grammatical errors all over this uh, write-up Press release, that annoyed yeah. the hell out of me, to say the least. <laughs> I learned, uh, you know, they, they had this interview with this guy, Jonathan, uh, you'll have to forgive me, but Eusebio, I don't know how to pronounce that, but his name is Works spelled for me. E-U-S-E-B-I-O, right? He's the fight coordinator. That sounds fine to me, yeah. And he, he kind of focused on a lot of the fights for the movie, um, all your square-offs between different superheroes and whatnot, and, and really took some thought into what is, is this superhero's specialty, how do they move, all that and what martial arts style uh, kind of reflects that that temperament that we touched on before, mm-hmm. um, you know? And of course, he he, he got smart and uh, only included what he he called the practical martial arts because the other ones are not, uh, which would include, and I'm sure most of our MMA folks would agree, karate, jujitsu, judo, Filipino arts, of course, spelled P I L I P. No, and Muay Thai. <laughs> yes, exactly. Anyway, just wanted to throw that out to you that that for you MMA folks um, looking down on the nerdy folks, go out see the Avengers. A lot of the arts that usually you're going to mix together and, and throw down with, you're going to see in the Avengers at least maybe the idea of which I don't know. What what was that list of styles again? Shit, if I can remember, I don't know. Karate. You, you got it on a piece of paper in your hand. <laughs> liar, liar. I bring this from memory or I make it up one. Karate, jujitsu, judo, which is what? A sport. Filipino arts. Oh, yeah, that explains it all, just like Chinese martial hey, arts. Not like know. there's a thousand and one different styles. Right. And Muay Thai. Again, sorry, different styles. So he was like, we, we got to stick to the practical arts, so fuck the Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. Nicely done. Nicely done. Well, I can't really see the Incredible Hulk doing Taiji anyway, so it's just not his bag. <laughs> Baby. Well, Roll maybe back, you just press, haven't been smash! Oh! <laughs> I like that. I like that. That was a very good uh, Taiji joke, actually. Usually it's press, but smash will do just fine. Yeah. And one last touch on news. This is not uh, – well, actually, we're gonna, I'm going to cover two – Two more pieces, and I'm just going to touch on them. One, okay. one bit of news that uh, we touched on two episodes ago, Lom Joe's passing, right? And this is something, uh, if you're a friend with me on Facebook, you already know because I've been bitching about. Okay. After Lom Joe passed, he had two uh, sons, one an elder son, one a younger. They both teach on guard. They both run also, uh, you know, healing clinics and whatever. Um. <clears throat> His older students being handed the torch and his uh, school and website and all that's wonderful. His youngest son, who also teaches, has a website and everything else, is not fine. Uh, his his uh, school website, a few days after his dad died, was attacked by, well, I couldn't say who, but his now his website, if you go to hongakun.org, um, is nothing but Japanese language for this huge MLM scammy thing for foreign exchange type of crap. 
I can't wait. Yeah, it's, follow that one for us. I want to hear that. <laughs> I, I'm going to follow it. Like, my senior student, you know, is like, what are you talking about? It's just some hacker. I'm sorry the coincidence is here. And- <laughs> All right. Well, next up, we've got our first instantiation of the mailbag. Woohoo! All right. Thank you, people. Keep it Woo-hoo! coming. Keep it coming. Uh, we made you wait interminably to hear it, but Troy... You're on the hot seat. Um, so it's a rather long uh, for well for you know for an email comment that we got, but uh, uh, our listener Troy says that uh, he basically chimes in on the subject of belt ranking and uh, pretty much agrees with uh, what we uh, had said in the episode. Um, Which episode was that? Oh, that would be episode three, if I'm not mistaken. Ah. Uh... Ooh. No friggin' We're eight episodes in October <laughs> no, we're we're already. I think I think four. Four maybe. Yeah, I think four. Anytime we mention Jigoro Kano, I think is a good But uh one, he did clarify a few things uh, or gave us his take on them. Um uh, the colors of the belt were originally white and black, and we'd sort of mentioned that. They originally came from the OB sashes mm-hmm. that they wore. Um white being a student and black designating a Serious student, not a master. Ah. Uh, one who had mastered the basics, basically. Uh, that like an internal student, or you think in, indoor in a Chinese? Uh, yeah, probably or somebody. Already. You know, you would turn him loose with the beginners anyway, right? Or right, something right. like that. Uh, cool. And uh, brown was added later on as another rank. So I'd always wondered which color came next. You know. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, and his take on it, and we, I think we touched on this, was that the student began with a pure white belt, and as they trained and sweated, the belt darkens, representing their loss of innocence, until it eventually turns black. And then training and study continues until the black is worn away, and the belt again becomes white, symbolizing a return to the beginner mind. Hmm. You mean like emptying your cup? Yeah. Something That's like interesting. That. Nice. Did nice, we thematic on nice that? Nice callback. Hey, <laughs> I don't yeah. get... Banal for nothing. <laughs> he also points out that Okinawan martial arts didn't use belts at all initially. They had a smaller society and it wasn't structured the same as the Japanese. They could afford them, though. But right? that they adopted the belts <laughs> uh, uh, and began heavily structuring their arts in order for Japan to accept them as Buddha. Ah. Uh, so there was That's one cool. other. Let me read down here just a little bit. There was something I thought we might get a little discussion out of here. Yeah. Um. Ah, uh, yes. The, on the upside, you know, the advantage of that structured system is that a student knows what is expected and where they are within the hierarchy of the group. It makes them feel comfortable and lets them know what their role in the class school is, depending on rank. This is great for very large schools where it is virtually impossible to give everyone individual attention and know exactly what each student needs to focus on. But his experience with this is that many students only focus on what they need to know for the next milestone along their oh. path and tend to neglect previous knowledge. Ah, I see what you They saying. also begin to not think outside the box and only understand what is specifically mapped out for them. And by the way, uh, he is a, uh, he is a uh, karate teacher, but uh, he teaches goju. Uh, but uh, they use belts, but only white and black. Oh, that's interesting. Nice. Yeah. That's so, very traditional. Thanks for sending us that email. And I, th- yeah, this definitely. is what I really want to touch on here is uh, the whole idea that, uh, you know, that students, when they have this hierarchy of progress, they tend to focus on the next goodie, the next goodie, the next goodie. 
Whereas, as we all know, if you leave your fundamentals behind, then you're going to lose the effectiveness of your art. Uh, you're going to lose everybody's respect. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, for instance, in Bagua, we have the 24 basic exercises of the heavenly stems. In some schools, it's, it's 12 and, you know, whatever. There's a lot right. of variation out there. But these things are the hinges, the tactical hinges. They're the, they're the smallest parts of the system, right, mm. that, that are taught. And I have students all the time that, uh, you know, because I'm not going to make you do them over and over and over again while I'm trying to add new material, but I always tell them, you can't stop practicing this. Because right. if you stop practicing this, everything you're building on top of it will start to crumble because it's the foundation. And how many times have we seen as teachers or observe this in other places, people who are so eager to get to the next thing <laughs> that they don't maintain their basics and they start to nosedive even though they're progressing in the system. Yeah, you see what right. I'm saying? Oh, hell yeah. I, I experience it uh, on a fairly regular basis. And, I, you know, it, it is that thing that you can go to a tournament, to a fight, to, to just about anything and say, hey, just like um, what we've heard about in plenty other stories uh, from interviewees or just friends where, <clears throat> yeah, that, that you're doing great there. That hook punch and all this kind of stuff and you get jacked up and want to know why because, oh, I've got this high belt or I've been with this system for 30 years. I've been with this system 60 years. Okay, I'm I'm this huge ancient Chinese master, and I've been doing this for years and years, and I just got my ass handed to me from a punk 22 years that has no respect. But <laughs> has he been practicing his basics lately? Well, yeah. That's, Almost I've... every single advanced movement, regardless of style, is simply a combination of principles that are simply basic, fundamentally Right, and I think that's why it's it's such uh, a common story to hear about you know the uh, the the yellow belt skunking the black belt at something mm -hmm. you know well it shouldn't happen sure because this guy's obviously got a lot more knowledge but if you're just working for it to add knowledge as opposed to improve the fundamentals right you can get in a backwards ass situation where you know you have a lot of mental knowledge and maybe some much fancier techniques to use but if that new guy is still practicing <laughs> the basics every day he might just upend your apple cart oh hell yeah oh, <laughs> so hell yeah. <laughs> so uh let that be a lesson to all of us uh when we get kind of lazy about the basics folks get back in that horse stance or get back down to whatever the nitty-gritty of your system is whatever. yeah yeah make sure you keep that stuff as fresh as you can and thank you for bringing that back to us, Troy, because, uh, you know, that's, that's an awesome, what we'd call, callback, callback. Yeah, <laughs> back to the basics. And as martial artists, we all need a callback from time to time. Yes, we do. All right. Well, uh, that was our first trip to the mailbag. And, uh, let it not be the last, y'all. Yeah. Don't let it be the last. Send it in. We'll read it. We'll think about it. We might even talk about it. That's true. <laughs> Lord knows we don't know how to fill two hours, so help us out. Dear God. Oh, God. All right. You know, at the beginning of this show, we talked about how much we'd learned and how much we'd matured as podcasters over the last five months. And uh, 
Then we proceeded to flail our way through this thing. <laughs> plan, plan A broke down. Plan B broke down. And we're using this little old gadgety box that I bought several years ago for not we're even this purpose right now. We're bouncing on midnight here. Yeah, we keep, having to, we keep hitting the end of the cart and having to stop and dump it. We're still learning. But, but you know, that brings us full circle, which apparently number eight is the full circle episode. Call back. Call back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye-bye, Black I think <laughs> what were you saying there? Well, I'm I'm just saying, like it it just goes to show you that that Ouroboros is a good thing. Yes, absolutely. Well, and and what Troy was saying was right. You know, if you if you if you let the and what you were saying was right, and what he yeah, was saying yeah, don't get tunnel right. vision. You know, you, don't just look at your next <laughs> goal. Look at where you've been. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, we're not. We're still working on our basics here, folks. We're not chasing that new shiny. <laughs> and thanks for listening, and uh, thanks to my co-host, Craig Kiesling. You're welcome. And uh, engineer extraordinaire, Magnificent Jay. Again, you know, it's mostly a pleasure. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> Should I put my hand back onto that rubbing? No. <laughs> He's bucking for a happy ending, folks. And it ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Not happening. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, Magnificent Jay, why don't you uh, go ahead and, uh, well, we're going to remind you the contact info here one more time before we close out, but I just want to tease, we got a couple of nice guests coming up. I'm doing an interview this week that we will drop into one of the next couple of shows. Do we like nice guests? With an interesting, oh, well, you know what I mean by nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in Taiwan, uh, who has a lot of stories to tell, I'm certain of that, and uh we also have a guy who's again. I I don't drop the names till it's in the bag, but uh, mailbag. You might have seen him on uh, the Rum Soap Fist Boards, and uh, his name is reminiscent of John Wayne's. So that's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Uh, but uh, we've got some good stuff coming up in the future. So hang in there. This is, you're not going to have to listen to us talk about each other every time. But uh, right. Craig, sooner or later, it's sooner coming or later. Around. Oh yeah, going it'll on be, the hot seat. It'll be your turn, sir. All right. That's right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Magnificent Jay, why don't you remind everybody where they can get a hold of us? And, of course, the, the website is hiyapodcast.com. That's H-I-Y-A-A podcast.com. Hi-ya! Of course, you can contact us via, via email at mailbag at com. You can check us out on Facebook, which is... com. Which is, of course, tied to the website, and uh, you can you can like us on Facebook. You can plus one us on the uh, the Google and the whatever else the kids are doing these days. The course. Google Plexus. Um, the oh the, yeah. The you can also stream the podcast from the website, and now you can oh, download yeah, the podcast from the website as if well. If you're on so. the web uh, website, because we had one specific listener that was having issues with podcatchers and. And so we went ahead and went the extra mile and said, you know what? There's other people like you out there. Uh, if you're not a big fan of iTunes, if you, you can't deal with podcatchers, whatever, you just want to download an MP3 file and, and play it, share it, whatever, go for it. You can now do that. On any episode on the website, there's a little green button. Right-click, save as, Mac control, click, get it while you got it. And, of course, if you are a big fan of iTunes, then you can rate and review us on iTunes. That would be awesome if you would do that for yeah. us. That's right. And if right. you're one of those people that really, really likes to be first in, you still can. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't write a review that just says first. <laughs> Actually, frankly, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Maybe you'll break the ice for some other people. Absolutely. Good. We'll have an uh, entire series of first, seconds, and thirds. <laughs> All right. Well, 
We're not stopping even if you want us to. <laughs> this right. is the Hi-Ya Podcast, folks. And we'll see ya! See ya.